get the shit out of them with a wrestling gimmick. Have you got the quarterly splits? What do the with a lot of North Bergen tune in for the call ups? So we it was really funny. So we had two weeks in a row of North Bergen three hundred plus, and I then last hit that. Two, yeah, but I don't like I don't know why because then last week was just back to you know like twenty seven. What um what have we done to offend the people of North Bergen last week? <laughs> yeah. I, I hear there's a there's a big Muslim population there apparently. <laughs> I like the idea of like they're having a they're having a silent disco, so they all have to play it on their own devices, and they just listen to it communally. <laughs> it's like a podcast club, and we happen to come up on shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day scholars and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm your host Dom Philp on the mic, not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge every single Friday on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. And the best way that you can support is to rate, review, subscribe. Hey, shout out to Sal, big Sal from the United States of America, friend of the group who did all three of those things. He rated, he reviewed, and he subscribed this week. Cheers, Sal. Thanks for your support, pal. We'll talk to you soon. You know, if you don't want to rate, review, and subscribe, you know what you can do. You can tell your friends. You can tweet it out. You can Instagram it out. You can write a letter to your mum. You can ring up your nan or maybe your granddad or your dad. We have no bias towards genders and paternal and maternal relationships here. Or you could get your friends and your family. You could act it out as a play, live script on a balcony somewhere for an audience. Okay. How many more weeks can I keep wedging that joke in? So what do we got? Episode 13. Holy shit. Listen to me bungle the number of the episode when I try to introduce it later on. We have got a very, very special guest this week, scholars, James Charles Harris. Let me tell you a little bit about James and Shafi's going to introduce it later on, but James was an absolutely diehard wrestling fan, going to over 50 UK shows in a year, one year. I know because I was at about 45 of them with him. Then after speaking out, after the lockdown, after the pandemic, James got pretty fit. He actually started uh, socialising with people outside of wrestling, people who were a lot cooler than us probably, and he lost his love of the industry a little bit. But we managed to coax him back in this week with the promise of a roundtable topic all about CM Punk and Ring of Honor. So we're working towards that with our main event. Before we get there, though, let's get to what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. So I suppose well, we might as well get started then. Dom, have you got tiny hands or is it a massive cup? I'll tell you where I got this cup from, mate. This is from the Electric Ballroom in Camden. Is it? Yeah, double pointer. Mate, they're durable as fuck. I use them every day and it's just lasted me forever. I don't know like what the what the health, you know, issues are of continually using the same plastic cup. Like maybe it's disintegrating into my stomach or something. But um I, yeah, I, mate, I, I would think the one litre of coke at a time would probably have worse effects. <laughs> <laughs> The, 
I, I also like that we've got these North Bergen numbers we've been sponsored by the refillable plastic cups at the electric ballroom. <laughs> well, if anyone from the electric ballroom is listening, uh, just kayfade that. I like. I don't know. Am I allowed to steal them? I guess they're plastic. They throw them in the bin, right? But anyway. Um, yeah, someone asked me like someone asked me once though, like when they saw me drinking out, they're like, "Oh, how many of those have you got? I want to plant some plants in them." I'm like, mate, I had to fucking put my blood, sweat, and tears into getting this cup out of the ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had to go for an extra round with Pete. Yeah. All <laughs> 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 uh, right. Um, so we should. So no call-ups. All right, let's do an intro then. Uh, Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. This is going to be my favourite number, episode 11. Unlucky, not 11. What the fuck? Let me do it again. Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. This is episode 13. That serves you off trying to be clever. Um, and we are here with... For some. Yeah, unlucky for some. Legs 11. Uh, <laughs> the mood is about to change. <laughs> that's, that's up there in my probably top 10 all-time favourite entrances. Great tune. What, like, like the theme, or do you mean like the individual surprise entrance at the Rumble? Well, uh, well I, all of the above. Everything, yeah, yeah. The, the, the tune, the actual entrance itself, like, and the and the surprise. I was well, pretty hype, and I had no idea who he was, because I'd never seen ECW. Little, Yeah, like, little, <laughs> little known. So, like, obviously, some people, I've, like, cultivated this image as an ECW guy, but I was actually... A little bit delayed, so I really only started watching it in 2000 and went back and watched everything afterwards. Um, so when Taz debuted, I was like, "These fucking suplexes, man! I couldn't believe it." So me and uh, Ross were big into ECW at the time, and like for like we was it was so good and we were so into it that I didn't even realize that Taz was short. Like for uh, me, yeah. like he was on par with like The Rock, Stone Cold, everyone else. Like I didn't really get the whole short thing. Um, which I guess is sort of testament to Heyman and how well he presented him. Yeah. But when he turned up at the Rumble, like, so the Rumble was the first pay-per-view that was free on Channel 4 over here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think we were, what, year seven, year eight, something like that? Year eight. And uh, stayed up all night to watch that pay-per-view and then went to school on about two hours sleep and was rewarded with Taz's debut and Mae Young's puppies. Yeah. I was the opposite and wasn't allowed to stay up to video recorded it. Went to school, had every match spoiled apart from the tag title match, which was of two minutes, 30 seconds because like the road day had heart problems. Yeah. Who had At least the Billy problems? Gunn match didn't get spoiled, did it? Yeah. That was good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> road dogs. Remember he spent the whole rumble lying under the rope as well. Cause he yeah, had like yeah. some sort of, apparently he had some heart problems. So his, the match went about two minutes of the acolytes. I think Xbox kicked someone in the face and then the rumble, he just sat underneath the, the ropes for the whole thing. I didn't know. I thought that was just like this the cool tactic thing. Yeah. So was that literally just because he was struggling? Yeah, I think he had some. He had some sort. Of, I might be wrong with heart, but he had some sort of medical concern that he couldn't really exert himself that day. That's why the match went really short. And well, that's what I got told anyway. I again, I, I didn't know. That. May, may be wrong, but uh, it's a good. But, but he was so essential to that rumble. He had to stay in and hold yeah. the rope for an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I just thought that's like one of my top Raw Rumble memories. I just thought it was genius. Yeah, yeah. But, but then it would make it ungenius that he got up to laugh at someone. I can't remember it was China maybe getting eliminated and then got thrown out from behind. <laughs> uh, like it, it's low, like low key, like underrated Raw Rumble. That like it's got the only good tables match in wrestling history. 
Like, yeah, it's not, not too bad. And of course, May Young, which, yeah, I'll Taka, allow it. Doesn't Taka take a nasty bump in that? Is it that one where he's yeah, like, oh, that the Taka about three times? Yeah. <laughs> fate, yeah, hit the face. I think, like, that's like, got to be the best. Jerry Lawler's, Jerry Lawler's favorite thing, was that? <laughs> that's got to be the best rumble, right? Like, as a pay per view. Must It must be, because yeah. it, it might. That, Cactus think, Jack, Triple H as well, Street Fight. That might be that might be the best that might be the best Cactus WWE Jack singles match ever. I didn't realize Cactus Jack Triple H from that. That was a ridic- that's ridiculously good, isn't it? That, I mean, that's the oldest take ever, but that is an obscenely good match, isn't it? I think I genuinely think there is an argument that it's it could be the best WWE singles match ever. Like it, it I, I think like definitely top five. I'm trying to think now, off the top of my head, like Punk Cena. Taker, Michaels, like there aren't many better than that. I'd say it's the depending. Do you here's what that Shaf is probably the expert on this. Do you count um, Brett Austin as Attitude Era or just before it? I would say, I would say, I wouldn't class it as Attitude Era. If anything, it's probably the start of the Attitude Era. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Because, 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 with that said, then. I'd say that's probably the best match of the Attitude Era, I'd say. Not Mania Sunin, or is that not the Rock Austin one? Or we're not having that? I, I, I won't argue against it, Matt, but criminally, yeah. I, I, I probably was more I was more into Triple H catches. Three Stages of Hell as well is good. But... Oh, yeah, Three Stages of Hell at uh, No Way Out. Yeah, that's good as well. I was In my mind, I was like... Um, I wasn't thinking about gimmick matches, but then I realised Cactus Jack Triple H is a gimmick match and it just ruined my whole idea, yeah. I don't is know it just, It's not holds barred, is it? Yeah. yeah, I think it's full of street fight. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, hey, by the way, uh, this is Wrestling Should Be Fun, episode 11, uh, 13. Uh, um, and I really, the only reason I'm doing this again is because I forgot to introduce, we've got a very special guest this week. We've got the regulars, Matt and Matt. Ross the Boss is having a week off. Shappy the Sultan is here for the first part. I think he's going to tap out early. Um, and we're giving the hot tag to a very first guest on debut, uh, James Charles Harris, JCH. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Mate, you, you are, you're very, very welcome. You're very, very welcome. Um, so no one has actually watched Raw Rumble 2000 this week, I don't think. But let's see what the nerds are watching. What have we actually been watching? Um, Anyone want to lead us off? I imagine it's people want to talk about AEW this week. That was a pretty big match, blood and guts. Yeah, so if we're going to start hot, then we need to talk about, obviously, the the long-awaited match on AEW, the payoff to this massive feud um, of Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. Um, one question. Let me ask you this question, okay? we Finishers in wrestling, okay? What is the point in having a finisher... If QT Marshall kicks out of it, <laughs> like it's just redundant at that point, isn't it? If QT Marshall of all people is kicking out of your finisher, it's not a finisher. Um, I so hope he beats Mox with it next week. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, blood and guts. This is a show that we've been waiting what a year for. I think about a year ago we had the Elite versus Inner Circle feud that was going to be paid off with blood and guts. Ultimately, we got the pandemic. They didn't want to do it with no crowd. So it was canceled, put on hold. Uh, we ended up with the stadium stampede match, which was b- brilliant. Um, probably my favorite cinematic match, I think, um, of the pandemic era. Um, 
obviously since then uh the elite have, have changed in their incarnation and we've moved on to this feud between the inner circle and uh the pinnacle that you know obviously was built with mgf joining the inner circle infiltrating them and causing all of those issues uh, which was finally paid off the following week in this blood and guts match which was essentially a war games match um so yeah i think a lot of people are really excited for the show i know it's something that i was really excited for i sp- spoke to people they were talking about staying up to watch it live like which is a big deal here because it's it's on like a wednesday at what 1am so yeah i mean i'm interested to hear what you guys thought of the match well, just to, just to add on to what you're saying about how big a deal it seemed to be, it drew a big rating. So um, not that I'm into ratings and all that shit, Wednesday Night Wars, whatever, but um, I know that it was the first time ever that AEW has been the number one show on cable for that demographic, whatever it is, 18 to 34 or whatever it is. So 18 you know, to 34-year-old Cody Rhodes fans. It was the first time. That's, yeah, that's right. Who all... 18 to 49, Doug. And they all have to have kicked out of the crossroads at some point. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean that—that's just sort of you know, you know, stats, maths. Yep. Um, the match itself. Uh, I mean, I haven't got any really hot takes. I I really enjoyed it. Um, it. You know what? I'll tell you the, something that stood out for me was like I actually I was really rushed for time this week. Um, and I just watched the main event. I didn't watch the rest of the show. So I turned it on to when I thought it was going to be, and then they just had, like, two promos next to the cage. Like, that really... But I enjoyed both of them as well. Like, I I enjoyed Kenny Omega's promo and stuff. But, um, like, I thought it was going to be longer in time than what it was. But, yeah, I I thought they kept it pretty tight, and I thought, yeah, I thought it was really enjoyable. I mean, the the, I've got the runtime here. The runtime was 33 minutes, 58 seconds. So... It was short. It wasn't wasn't short by any means. Um, I guess that's a sprint by New Japan standards. But then um, you also have to get every like five minutes someone come in as well. So that's really the ending's going to be reasonably short at that point, surely. So I think yes. it's the first five minutes, and then every two minutes. Okay. It, it had a, I think pacing wise, it had a, it had a little bit of a lull, but I, I think to criticise it would be unfair. I think I think generally the pacing was really hot. I thought, um, and yeah, I, I thought, and actually, usually those matches, the the bit before the you know the actual match starts proper, I think is um, usually takes away from the match a bit. I thought that was the best part of the match. I, I thought the, the bits of people coming in, I thought they just nailed it so well. Like, that's not to again criticize anything afterwards. I, I'm sure we'll all talk about the finish later on, but but. Again, the match itself, I thought I thought that, that the bit, the kind of the interval bit, one of the better phrase, I thought it was paced really well. It was really hot. And again, coldest take, Sammy Guevara's good, isn't he? Like, I'd go as far as saying I think everyone, Sean, for even yeah. just a moment. Like, like you were saying about when people came in, like I think Sean Spears looked great. I thought Ortiz looked fantastic. Like Hager came in and looked like a monster when he came in as well. What the Wardlow? Yeah, I, I, I mean, like, yeah, well. in public as well. The, yeah. the, 
it, it was it was definitely the highlight for me, far more than the big bump at the end, was just the the little bits. And they did seem quite choreographed, but the little bits when people came in. So they were like really cool spots. So um, Sammy and Sean Spears did like the, um, you know, double bounce Spanish fly. Like, um, and then like, there was a bit, I, I can't remember who came in, but it might've been when... Um, when the second FTR guy came in and he sort of ran up the ropes and did a flying clothesline when someone was doing punches in the corner. Like, they were all, like, little cool spots um, when people came in fresh, which I, I really enjoyed. Jericho had the bat. Like, it was just, yeah, hey, you could just double-legged everyone. It was good. I, I, thought the, I thought the extended face beat down on heel spot was, was a really nice twist on these things. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure, again, if you're being... Uh, cynical you, you could say oh it telegraphed the heel win but like you know i think i think we all knew that that was probably going to be the the, the, the pinnacle we're going to win anyway but that's yeah. fine I, I actually was was i i really enjoyed that bit i thought it added a lot lot to the match i think it plays into it in a circle as well like i know they are the baby faces in the feud but all we've seen from them since dynamite started is them being nasty yeah. heels so i know that they've not wrestled have they wrestled as baby face as a team i i on dynamite maybe i don't know so, like, it feels quite natural for what they've been doing, I guess, to still play the kind of beaten-down role. Yeah, I agree with you. It works with, I, I thought it was fantastic as well. I, I loved it. And, and one thing that we also complain about is that when heels turn face, they lose everything that's appealing about them and just become, you know, very sort of um, white bread. Exactly. You know, so for them to not... It, it makes more sense, doesn't it, that they didn't give up all of those negative characteristics as we, you know, might class them. Um, and actually, Shaft, I've not not thought about that, but kind of think, try and retrospectively think about it. I don't think any of the inner circle members, I don't think necessarily would wrestle differently, like as in like because they they were quite like the the FTR member that's got hair. He he's quite he does quite spotty exciting stuff now these days anyway. And obviously, Sammy that that's his his moveset. So I think you're right. I don't think they 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 switched anything up. They were just not as twatty as MJF. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was cool at the start of this match, obviously they all came out in, uh, the inner circle all came out in prison jumpsuits, which sort of played into the thing we were talking about last week uh, with the promo before this match where they were, you know, saying that it's not just a match, it's going to be a fight, we're willing to do whatever it takes. And this was, you know, a visual symbolism of that, that they're literally willing to go to prison, you know, to, to win. Uh, which was, I thought, it looked visually, it looked really cool. Um, what do you guys think about this match compared to, say, a War Games match? Like, what do you think the differences were? Because I thought it was quite different from a War Games match. I think it felt more like a, a an old, like a, a, a Jim Crockett War, War Games match than a than a. WWE, an NXT War Games match, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I love the latter, but they're just they're they're different. It, it felt it, it this actually, even if you forget about just the War Games comparison, this this match felt quite apart from all the crazy spots and stuff. That I mean, you, I, I've not seen like Barry Windham do a like a double rope spring Spanish fly, but I think in just maybe it was the way it was shot or whatever that there was just feel about it that it had that kind of really elongated brawl that you see in those kind of uh, that, that kind of wrestling and yet compared to the 
the, the takeover war games matches, which are obviously very exciting and brilliant. And, and I'm not saying one's better than the other, but but I, I thought the aesthetic was completely different. I don't know if if anyone else thought that. This zipped along quicker for me than the war games matches. I don't know if that's because of the two minute intervals over the five. Um, it felt like things were happening at a quicker pace. That's a good point to, to me. Um, and I don't think in the W in the NXT versions, there's usually it feels like less entrances the way that it's done sometimes but that might just be like it's four on four not five on five or something like when they did three on three on three once i think is the nxt ring smaller but the nxt ring smaller i assume they are or is it just that short i don't think the rings the nxt rings would be the same as wb they'd be 20 by 20 i think uh, yeah for, for some yeah but i think um visit it feels like it just feels a, a lot more maybe claustrophobic is the word i'm looking for i'm not sure the, well, the N- NXT cage doesn't have a roof on it for a start. Uh, yeah, good shout. Yeah, which which I noted, which I, I thought that was cool that they sort of combined almost like the hell in a cell feel, um, and then obviously they ended up on top, which like is always exciting. Yeah, um, yeah I, it, it did feel like it was shot slightly different, and that and that was I don't know. I, I thought I thought it looked great. Yeah. Just really so what Brom said about it feeling like an old school or original style war games match. The reason I asked is that was it's because that was completely the feel that I got, like that it was very different from an NXT war games match. Um and it was something that I enjoyed about it. There's nothing wrong with the NXT war games match. Like Brom says, they're just different. They're different types of matches. Um whereas this was like a proper old school fight. Um a lot of blood, a lot of you know, brawling and like, I love that aspect of it. And I think that that really helped in the sense that, okay, we had that, as we've mentioned probably twice already, that beautiful Spanish fly, but there were moments in this match where things didn't quite come off. Like Sammy crashed and burned off of a springboard. Um, I think Hager and Wardlow both tried to jump the ropes to meet in the middle and it, it didn't quite come off, but because the whole thing was so rough, because it was more of a brawl and not this, wonderfully synchronized dance or performance it it almost added to it more than it took away from it um you know because if you're having it okay i appreciate that you have to suspend your disbelief but if you're having this fight and you've got this hatred then not everything is going to look crisp not everything is going to look you know perfect not everything is going to come off so i thought that when there were what would typically be classed as botches it almost added to the realism rather than took away from it. Yeah, I, I com- completely agree on that, Matt And I actually think there should be more sloppiness in wrestling, you know. And and, and I think part of some issues that NXT's had with, I think part of the, like the Gargano Champer and everything like that, where they, these guys were just getting Cole and all these guys putting on these crisp thirty-five minute clinics, and you're just like, yeah, you, you're doing wrestling very well, but. I don't know if I'm as entertained while, you know, and obviously tick the WSBF bingo of Brummett talking about 90s old Japan matches again, but you watch Stan Hansen and Kawada just fucking smacking each other and it just looking like a bit of, like a fight and it's not, and things aren't going right and fucking Hansen slipping around and it just doesn't matter because it has, exactly as you said, Chaffee, it, it feels much more like a fight than, than, the, than the kind of the crisp wrestling. Do you not think that, I mean, the um, aforementioned Rock Austin match has got about four moves in it, and it's bloody brilliant. And you and you think that this meant to do with with your Dave Meltzer giving out these classics for these these matches that are just perfect, rather than 
as you well, say, raw and well, crisp. It's, it's, it's it's like people are aiming for that for a different thing than what they're aiming for in that time. Uh, it, it's interesting to say that JCH, I've got, I'll hold it for now, but I've got a lot of thoughts on that when talking about Osprey Shingo <laughs> in, in a bit. But yeah, Ooh. yes is the answer to that question. Yeah. Because we, we've spoken in previous weeks about like tropes in multi-man matches and stuff like that. And I think what James is saying, uh, you know, is, is true that there is almost a checklist of things that you have to do to score highly in the Wrestling Observer uh, when it comes to your matches. And I, I agree with James. I do think that, that that's the way it comes across at times. It's less about a fight or less about realism and more about ticking off these little things that you need to do to, you know, to be, to be lauded spot from the match to talk about that um was it Ortiz who fell down the side of the cage as well like, yeah through the ring that that was great again it just felt like messy because like it shouldn't really happen if the thing's built well and it's like it's like that was like the first sign of it getting out of control because it was like oh he's not even in the ring now he's not even like he's out so yeah, yeah. I think the word is it was wild wasn't it it's was just wild great um, so the main thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, and I, it was the thing that I saw covered the most, was the ending. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to kind of... I, I, that ending, we don't necessarily have to touch on too much because it did cop a lot of criticism when Jericho came off the cage and people seemed to be a bit negative about the camera angle, which seemed to give away the fact that he fell on a crash mat. Um, but I guess I kind of want to ask... I've sort of at the point now where I feel like bumps like that now, because obviously they're all being done in a stuntman style under a crash mat. I kind of feel like they take away from a match more than they add these days. Um, and to give an example, like I think that's why I went so mad for Shane McMahon's bump this year at WrestleMania, because he actually just did it into the ring. And I was like, for me, that was his most impressive bump ever way more impressive than the one of the Titan Tron or whatever, you know? Um, and I just, I don't know, what do you, how do, I'm sort of almost at the point, maybe I've seen all these big bumps now and I'm just like, well, maybe number one, I'm getting old and I don't want anyone to kill themselves. But also number two, I'm like, I think the match maybe didn't need it. I don't know. What did you guys think? So, I mean, the bump wasn't the finish, was it? I no, mean, yeah, the- you are right. The finish was the threat of the bump. And I think that, obviously, we said they've had this wild brawl. They have to finish it some way. And I actually quite like the finish because I think that it advanced the storyline. It made sense and actually gives us somewhere to go from here. Um, So, obviously, the finish is that MGF threatens to throw Jericho off the cage and Sammy and the rest of the inner circle um, basically surrender so that that won't happen to protect Jericho. Now, this whole feud that's been going on for maybe six months, the, to me, the feud is not Jericho versus MJF. That isn't the feud and hasn't been from the start. The feud is MJF versus Sammy Guevara. And we haven't really gotten that bit yet. So in the promos moving up to this, um, it's been MJF versus Jericho. And, you know, Sammy's sort of been a bit of a spare part and he's been, you know, sort of opposed to Spears in the promos and this you know gives us somewhere to go from here so now i want to i finally want to see that match i want to see mjf versus sammy because that that's what the feud's been about the whole time that's what all the build has been about 
you know, when you see it from the beginning. Um, so I'm hoping that on the pay-per-view or soon we're going to get that match. Um, and it makes sense to do that because these are two young guys they've got in this company who can be there forever, you know, and who can be these big stars. I know that Brum said last week that MJF, when he turns face, he could be fantastic. Sammy's the same way for me. You know, they could both play face or they could both play heel. So they could be, they could have this rivalry that goes on for 10 years. The same as MGF's got this sort of rivalry with Jungle Boy. Um, and I think that's what we got out of the finish. Okay, people will talk about the bump. Personally, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even see it as a bad thing. It was only when I went online afterwards that I even knew there was any criticism about it. Um, I did, I'll be honest, so it didn't, I didn't mind it. Um, and it added to the whole thing. As I say, the finish was the threat of him being pushed off. And then he retained that that evil heelishness about him by still going through with it, even though he won the match, which played into all of the promos beforehand, which were essentially, it's not just about winning. It's about taking out our opponents. Um, so I thought it was quite a clever finish, although I appreciate that I'm perhaps in the minority. No, I, 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 I agree. I like the finish as well. I, I'm not negative about it, but I just, sometimes I'm like, well, if, there's no way to do these things safely without having a crash mat. And it's always going to be in a, but again, I guess we all know it's wrestling and it's pretend anyway. So what, I don't know really what I'm getting at, but um, I just feel like I don't know if there's a need for it anymore. If we all know that that's how the bump is going to play out onto a big high jump mat. But yeah, I don't know. Anyone else got any thoughts? Yeah, I think I think I'll fall somewhere in the middle a little bit. I think Dom, in general, I, I agree with that point of yours. I think that 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 but like, I'm not interested in those bumps at all. I don't get anything out of them. But I think in this case, I think Shaft's point's right. I think for the finish and the finish by design, I agree it was perfect, and I agree with Shaft on that. I think, and actually, the bit I'd not thought about was Shafi's points about Sammy, which I thought was. Yeah, hashtag hot take, but yeah, brilliant. But I think my so yeah, so I think the actual finish. I think MJF had to throw Jericho off after it. I just think he had to. But the the bit where I would be the dissenting voice, I think I'm pretty good at suspending my disbelief, and I was really into it. And I thought that the execution of that finish was so bad, it was like the Mox explosion thing all over again for me. It did take me out of it. Where I was just like, well, that's ridiculous, which I was all in it. And I was like, as I said, I love the match. And I thought the finish was right. And I thought the execution after of it, after it of MGF on the cage, everything was done really well. But that was like, it was, I thought it was embarrassingly bad. Like how it looked, the camera shot, everything about it. Like they should have, because it was such a big match. They could have easily, and they didn't have to physically. They didn't have to physically recreate the bump. Even they could have just worked out the camera shot to make sure that when that was cut to, it was it. I, I, even though I obviously you know it's a crash mat. If they just did the shot where you don't see the crash mat, like I'd have known it's a crash mat in my head, but I'm suspending my bis, d- disbelief, so it's fine. I'm like, oh god, yeah, massive, brilliant, done. But the fact that they then just zoomed in and, and, and it's just like Jericho chilling out with a bunch of cat like a bunch of like cardboard and sponge or whatever and like he's painted on concrete it was just so embarrassing that it actually took me out of it and 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 it was just really frustrating and again the same thing the same thing with with Mox and Kingston where 
the the idea of the finish is beautiful in both cases. Great job, AW, but the execution is pound shop at best. Better than the big pile of hay Rikishi film. Uh, so that, that 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 for me is stupid as that bump is. I'm fine with that because that's what it's set up as. It's it's a it's a truck with hay in it, and they shoot it, so that's fine. Pretending it's not what it was, which is what AW did, was something that, that annoyed me. But yeah, I think that I've got a I've I've just got a penchant for that bump though. JCH, to be fair, I'm probably in the minority. No, I, th- I don't think I I didn't know there was criticism of the Rikishi one. I always thought that was pretty good. It's also fucking three times Jericho's weight. Well, it was part of the storyline, wasn't it? They put it out there to save people. Like That was specifically what it was there for, I guess. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah. I because Foley yeah, like, was going to get fired if anyone fell off the cage, so we put some hay one side. <laughs> no, that was... I don't know. Wasn't it something like that, it? No, wasn't it because Vince or someone was against having the hell in the cell? So we drove the truck out to try to take the cell down. So midway through the match, they were like construction workers trying to rip the cell down. So what was the hay there for then? They were, that wasn't explained. It was just in the bed of the truck. <laughs> I always thought it was they put the hay there just just because they would get fired if someone got hurt and the hay was there to catch someone. But they did it on one side of the green. I don't... I think the truck... The story... It was because someone... I can't remember it exactly now, but I think it was because Vince was against having the match. And tried to stop it by ruining the cell. Is that Onion. in the storyline or is that in real life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just did a. Um, who, who was that? It was like Rhino or someone that he's just like, he just walked out mid match, like, this is shit. Reel it in, fellas. Um, to go back to the show and talk about the uh, yeah, yeah. wrestling from Wednesday, not that I didn't enjoy that tangent as much as the next person, but um, I wanted to say, I know Shaq has already touched on it. I thought Cody v QT Marshall was better than it had to be. Like, and I, I could understand, like, it maybe it was just moves, like the tombstone spot, some finishers, but it could have been way more throwaway and, and done the job. But I actually quite like that match for what it was. I thought it was really well done. And I, I don't really care about QT Marshall. I thought it was a good match. People agree or, or am I being too positive about that match? I don't know. I, yeah, I, I didn't. I, I, th- I, th- I thought it was pretty good as well. I, I think that my, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. And, and I'm very interested to hear Shaf on this as well. How has Cody Rhodes gone from being the most, maybe the most interesting wrestler in the world to being the, the guy that I basically try and fast forward his segments now? Am I alone in thinking that? No, I don't think so. I think it's a combination of factors. Um, yeah, Cody, alone, Cody, was, uh, Cody was probably... <laughs> Cody was probably the biggest baby face in wrestling or the best baby face in wrestling a, a year or so ago. Um, I think no crowds has hurt him, um, but also, but also, let's be honest, he's got this stipulation where he can never go for the title belt, the main belt, and he's already held the TNT title. So what is he going to do? You know, it's kind of in a holding pattern um, with no clear direction. So I don't. I mean, how do you put Cody at this point? Like, are there any matches that you even want to see him in? Because I can't really think of any. I want to see him against Junior Agogo for the the is that his name Junior Agogo? No, he used to play for Bristol Rovers. And oh, yeah, Junior Agogo, isn't it? Yeah, Junior Agogo um, is a striker, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do actually. That's what I'm interested to see. I want Cody versus Junior. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
with but what's um but the issue with Anthony Agogo is his finisher, and, and I'm all for simple finishers being sold well in wrestling. Great, all of that. But surely it's quite easy for him in a match to punch someone in the stomach. You would think so, so wouldn't I'm, you? I'm really interested in how the fuck they're going to book around that. Like, not not in like kind of a, a smarky like, oh, how are they going to do this? But no, I'm generally interested in how, how how's that going to work, where all he needs to do is punch, punch a bloke in the stomach. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but they had a melee... Um, and he did. He basically didn't get involved because in Kafev they built him up that he's basically a one-hit finisher, isn't he? Yeah. So he can't get involved in any brawls because they're going to be over as soon as he throws a punch. So they've, it seems like they've almost sort of put themselves into a corner already. Unless, oh, sorry, go on, Tom. No, I was just going to say, like, I mean it. It, it, I, I know that we're conditioned in wrestling that every single time a wrestler hits their finisher, it has the exact same amount of damage and should win the match. But maybe sometimes he just doesn't hit it quite as cleanly and it doesn't finish the match. But how, how can we tell? I, I, I don't know. Like maybe I'm, I'm trying to be too realistic. Yeah, probably thinking too much about it. But maybe, you know, maybe sometimes it's like, oh, he mustn't have hit it that cleanly. He didn't catch it flush. So the guy kicked out or whatever. So, so he's just going to throw seventeen right hands in a match until he gets one. But with, but with like Tank Abbott and like Big Show or whatever, Big Show, other, yeah. other people have had it. Like they've got um, like a, a, a punch. It's it, you know you're punching someone in the face, so you know it's completely believable that you can avoid a punch in the face. Uh, avoiding the body shot, like Kane's going to be quite quite hard, and I just don't know how. Again, how how that works? Because again, Dom, if he doesn't, if he misses it the first time, well, then, then he's he's going to get a chance in a five ten minute match to hit someone again in the. the so, like, I was just the, the reason I said it. The best example I can think of was Owen Hart's in Sagiri, right? Um, and so he knocked Shawn Michaels out that one time, but it wasn't his finish. He just happened to catch it cleanly that time. No, the reason why that finish, the reason that happened was because Shawn Michaels was powerbomb like three times by Sid and hadn't. No, no, sorry. I'll take that back. He'd been beaten up by those Marines in Syracuse and he hadn't fully recovered. He rushed himself back and then took that blow to the head and collapsed in the ring. So it wasn't Owen Hart's move. It was the fact that Shawn Michaels hadn't fully recovered and they were putting that over. But Owen went around like Owen. That was Owen's gimmick for a while, wasn't it? That he had like the super insecurity and not. But that's Owen. Owen was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I I just thought that, you know, maybe it's not going to be his finisher. Maybe it's just a story where he hit it once, is what I'm saying. It's being sold as his, but no, but it's, he didn't just do it on Cody. He's been doing it loads of time, and like that's his his finish. So even though he's not like he's been using it on AW like to take people out, it's been sold as the big finish. Like if if he hits you, you're done. Uh, right. My internet cut out. Who are we talking about? Sorry, um, Junior Agogo. Junior Agogo. <laughs> so, uh, his dad Anthony, who was a was he did he win the bronze medal? Yeah, he's a he's a boxer, isn't it? So it makes more sense for any team to either punch. Well, I, think. I, I like. I, I was a big fan of their uncle Pizza. Pizza Go Go. Also, Junior Agogo is a Go Go, and I think this guy Anthony Ogogo, just to be pedantic about the whole thing. <laughs> well, I think we've got to cancel the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've <laughs> been making an idiot out of myself. <laughs> So, one match we haven't touched on quickly from Dynamite was the four-way tag match. 
um, which, to be honest, I didn't remember anything from this show because, you know, Blood and Guts has pretty much taken up all of my memory bandwidth. Um, but just looking at Wiki and seeing the matches that were like, this was a good, this was good for what it was as well. Um, the acclaimed had a brilliant freestyle before the match that was referencing Dark Side of the Ring and all sorts. Um, oh, that's a great on me, big time. They're good, they're good. Um, but it was it was also the continuation of the storyline of um, SCU when they lose, they're going to retire. And we were speaking about number one contender versus ranked number one last week. Well, now they've actually earned their title shot, so they're going to get their title shot, and presumably, you know, if they lose, their they they're going to break up. Sorry, not retire. They'll break up. Um, so that'll be interesting. I've got a feeling Daniels is, is done, but that's not based on anything, but I, I can see the young bucks splitting them up. Next and, week's uh, episode is stacked, isn't it? Yeah. It seems to be like that every week. Yeah. yeah. Three I, title I, matches. I, I keep sharing it on the group being like, like the dynamite cut. Like, yeah. stacked. It's constantly stats, yeah. You got Moxley Nagata, the tag team title match, yeah. and uh, and uh, Miro Darby Allen all next week. Oh, that's good. Miro Darby Allen. I didn't know yeah. about that for the title. Yeah, for the all, title. all three title matches on the show next week. Mad, and, isn't it? So interestingly, that one 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 final thing on Dynamite is we talked about the Jericho shit bump. Fucking hell, Darby Darby's bump. Yeah, concrete steps. Fucking hell. I, that was actually cardboard, just painted like concrete. <laughs> <laughs> they built a cardboard stadium. <laughs> I'm sure I went to a show once where Darby Allen was just literally inside a body bag, getting like beat up by someone in like an evolved view. Just to get, yeah, that, that was Ethan Page. Yeah, him. He referenced Ethan it, didn't Page he? Feud, yeah. well, interestingly, it was Ethan Page. That th- I think it was him rather than Scorpio Sky that threw him down the the steps. But yeah, that um, that was a great feud. Um, that that made Darby Allen actually Ethan Page, Ethan Page feud. He, he probably I'd go as far even as naturally tardy is. I don't think he'd be where he would was today without that Ethan Page feud. Shingo Osprey, Brummett. They're very good at wrestling. Very, I very, seen, very good. At wrestling. I, I I haven't seen it. That's why I've given you the hand pass there. It's well, if you like re- if you like wrestling, <laughs> very good wrestling. I would say that, uh, what 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 are we saying about what uh, five minutes of wrestling? Sixty percent of us here like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's there's a lot of wrestling should be it, well, it, yeah. If you like if you like wrestling, <laughs> it's really good. If you like, and I'm sure people are going fucking mental at this, um, but Dave Meltzer. Don't worry, I'll just cut it out. Don't worry. It, it's not. It, I wouldn't say it left me cold, but like a, I didn't like it as much much as a, a super juniors match, um, and it was just it was forty five minutes of two guys who were absolutely exceptional at wrestling and have an exceptional wrestling chemistry doing incredible wrestling. So I understand how a lot how many people will be like this is the best thing going, but it, it it's 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 the the football equivalent of like lads doing kick ups. Really sick kickups and really sick tricks. <laughs> like, there's not. There wasn't the ninety first minute bumbled header winner. And going back completely to what JCH and and and, and Shaffy were talking about, about the dip, it wasn't sloppy enough. 
you know, like it wasn't, it was just too good. <laughs> like it's like a bit Andy Townsend. No, that's that's too good for me, Clive. Like, <laughs> it, no, it was just too like it was just too good wrestling. Where I'm not, I I didn't find myself any way through it invested in it. You know, and I, and by the way, like you know, this is you know Shingo is was the wrestler of last year. Will Ospreay's outstanding obscene at what he does and i'm not saying and i'm not saying it was a spot fest you know it was spotty but i'm not saying it was a spot fest it was wrestling but i just wasn't into it at any point and maybe that's my that maybe that's on me i don't know did anyone else feel the same has anyone else seen it are you into either of those are you heavily invested into either of those guys like i often find that that's what i used to find with the kenny okada matches i just didn't it was good, good but i just didn't care well, so, so interesting. I think that's a good comparison piece. So Kenny Okada could be criticised as two ga- two guys that are just really good at wrestling, and I think their four matches are four of the top ten matches of all time. I, 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 in my in my opinion, I, I think that they're just unbelievable. But I think the difference between those matches is I think the tension and the interactions and the idea that these are the two best wrestlers in the world trying to be better than each other and, and, and everything that played into it. I just thought it was this gorgeous tapestry that every match and every match was different and dragged me in. And I, you know, we can, I can probably do wrestling should be fun podcast 113. I'll talk about those matches because I've got a lot of thoughts on them, but I thought the difference between that and, and maybe someone is, 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 is screaming, yeah, listen to this, but I, I didn't feel the same from it. And, and I don't think it was just from the investment because you, you're right, you, you're completely right, JCH. If you're invested in, in stuff, you're naturally going to enjoy the match so much more. But I've watched a bunch of stuff. You know, a great example, you you recommended me a, I think it was a Stardom match. And I didn't know anything about either of the the, the, the guys, the, 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 the wrestle involved. And I just fucking loved it. They just dragged me into that story and made me completely on the edge of my, my seat watching it. Osprey and Shingo, despite doing the most unbelievable wrestling exhibition you could probably imagine, didn't pull me in, I think. And that's, yeah, I think that's where I fall on it. Um, have you seen it, Conman? No, and I was going to consider watching it. And I had the results spoiled, which wasn't bothering me. I was still going to probably watch it. And then well, I just checked. The spoiled because Osprey was definitely going to beat Shingo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But um, I saw it was 44 minutes. I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly honest, like I'm, 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 we've talked about it before. And I, if you'd have asked me a year ago, New Japan was my favourite promotion. Oh. I'm, I'm not invested in the way their main event scene, bar the odd match here and there. I think Shingo Tanahashi was an example of when they did it right, the epic match. Yeah. I'm just not invested in these 30 plus minute matches. Like Naito and, 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 and the, the thing Great is, Oka when, when you go in, eight minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you, you go in knowing it's gonna. It's not gonna be a. You go in knowing it's gonna be forty-five minutes, and that's half the problem because there's no element of shock. I mean, and in well, it's something that you'll get. We'll get to later with the with the with the round table. So I'm gonna spoil it, but there's a part of that the um, Joe Punk in the, the match three that you're expecting another like classic like well, hour long and it just ends and it's like that's what's what's good about wrestling with the, the new japan main event scene for a while now and similar to like there's some of the nxt stuff and they just go and you know they're going to last so long 
but you don't but you're almost it's 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 like you're having like an appetizer and it's just sort of <laughs> chilling out for 20 25 minutes so now it's time to <laughs> to start properly paying attention i don't know but <laughs> I completely agree. And I, well, with, with, with Shingo Osprey, I did, I did, that was one actually I did watch the full way through, but 90% of big New Japan matches, uh, oh, that's that's an exaggeration, but but a, a substantial amount of big New Japan matches and big NXT matches, I skipped to the 20 minute mark and go, right, let's go. Like, which I know there's probably people listening that are thinking I'm a dickhead for doing that. I, I probably miss loads of interesting nuances and call back to previous matches. But if there's not, if there's no, if there's nothing that's that's riding on those first minutes, and it's interesting, kind of coming back to the start when we talk about the intervals in 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 war game style matches where they don't mean anything. The what what AEW did really successfully, as Matt was talking about, is making you invested in that the, the first interval. But New Japan fail at that. Like it, it just seems to be a lot of they do interesting stuff, but it seems to be a lot of scene setting setting up to what they're brilliant at, which is finishing stretches. But, well, well you know. You... Certain wrestlers justify it as well. Like, Okada's title reign, the story was that the matches were going long. Like, that was the story. He gets good at the end because he's used to it. So he would drag the matches out in character, so... knowing that he still had that drop kick at the 25-minute, 30-minute mark. So oh, that's part of his story. Where yeah. And Naito even has the high, whole idea of, like, well, I'm not going to take it seriously until... The end so even he can get away with it and Tanahashi but some of these guys like Will Ospreay and Shingo like the story shouldn't be that they're going 44 minutes there's not they're high energy high octane like talents that should just have a 20 minute all the moves and just cut it cut out 25 minutes of it and it'd be for, for my taste it would be a better match but I think probably New Japan are in a hole now where all their main events have to follow this pattern yeah yeah completely agree is this not another one of those tick yeah things that we're talking about it is, yeah. Just you know, put the, the belt the, on Ishii and get him to blast people in 18 minutes tops. Oh, God, I'd love it. So let me just ask this question. How much has wrestling changed? Or how much of wrestling and how much of wrestling ratings changed in the last five and a half years? That there's now... Because Shingo Osprey six stars, right? Yeah. Did it get six stars? Yeah. That Meltzer would give him at six stars and half of us won't even watch it. You know, like when it happened with Okada and uh, Omega the first time, like it was the word spread for the whole of the wrestling world and everyone had to watch that match. Yeah. And now New Japan put out a six-star match and half of us can't can even be bothered to sit down and watch it. Even people who have said a year ago, this was my favorite promotion, but now I, I don't want to give it 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Even though That's I know true. that it's a guaranteed you know, brilliant match. I know it will be good if I watched it. Like I, like what Bramit said, like I know all the moves will be beautiful and everything. But like, yeah, I just, just wanted to trim their matches down. I can't be arsed with these 45 minutes. That's all it comes down to. And, and it is a selfish problem of like too much good wrestling. I know that is what, but it's not that. I, I want the odd epic in there. Like Jay White Ibushi felt like it deserved its time. They felt like that again, it's the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. The story is these two guys are going to go to the limit. Why Osprey and Shingo in a title match in like a, at a pay-per-view like where we know it's not going to change hands? That shouldn't go that long, in my opinion. And, and what's annoying me, they had such a great opportunity. Like, if that match, they could have done a 15-minute mental main event and like just 
and, and I th- and I, I think it'd have been complete. I mean, I say that they could have done all this stuff. They just got a six star match, which is and also by by the way, to give Meltzer credit, I um I do, I, I use uh, cage matches is my bible usually for guides for wrestling matches. It, was, it is incredibly highly rated on there as well, which is more of a, a population of people vote vote for it, and it's got it's got incredibly high rating there. So it's not just old you know old man screaming at spots um in in melts it is you know the, the consensus seems to be that was a very very good wrestling match but i'm you know m- m- i'm that's not saying that mine's a hot takes i'm sure y- you guys will feel the same if you watched it as well i think from from what i've been saying um but I, yeah for me it just it it left it left me a bit cold considering um, but w- with these two talents obviously they've had matches in the junior division yeah. and we've said the issues with this staleness in the main events where because if everything is an epic, then nothing is an epic. Completely. Completely. Yeah, with these two no, no. talents, did they not have the opportunity to reset those main event expectations? Because Completely. these guys have gone out and had brilliant 15, 20-minute matches. So would that not have helped you yeah. know, reset what we could expect from a, a, main, a, a New Japan main they event? Had the, they had the chance to do that with Evil, but they even dragged Evil's matches out. Oh, Evil, could have, Evil could have had 15-minute title matches and done all his heel shenanigans. Yeah. And it would have been fine, but instead they even made evil matches have like fifteen minutes of headlocks at the start. Like, just make it fifteen minutes and cut all that out. <laughs> also, the thing is, Osprey is now going into a match with the Carter. That is something I will be watching. It will be fucking brilliant. But the um, imagine if he beats Shingo in fifteen, right? And um, and then he just cuts the promo afterwards. Like, does the Akada call out? And he says, you know, Akada. I'm not falling for your shit. I'm not giving you a 45-minute Tokyo Dome match. You're dead in 15. Billy's going to be the champ. Like, that's it. And then it just and then it has that high intention when you're going into that big Tokyo Dome match where fucking Osprey goes all at it at Akada at the start and you get loads of great near falls, which he kind of thinks, which even though you know in your head's not going to happen, in your heart you're getting pouts because of what Osprey said he's going to do and he's threatened it. And then you get that moment and you get probably bang on the 15-minute mark. Um, not a stormbreaker kick out, but a, a real big kick out or whatever. And then, you know, and then you can move that into a carder then doing his shit and build this brilliant fucking main event between the two. But now, but they missed that chance, I think. And I think now it's just going to be, I mean, the match is still going to be cool, but I think that'd be a fantastic nuance. And yeah, that's a, a long way of saying I completely agree with what Shafi said. Wrestling should be fun. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. Whilst whilst we've been, you know, perhaps a little bit negative, I think it's important to to note that this is coming from a position of love. Yes, I think most of us have come from a position of really, really love in New Japan. Yeah. To yeah, that's why I'm. I think that's why I'm upset more with it. Yeah. (laughs) It's. It's almost like you know, like it's. It's like with a child. It's like you're not angry with it. You're just disappointed. Silly Gato. And that, yeah, well, that, that's the problem with my, my little boy now. He's he's nine months, and he's just constantly when we're wrestling, he just wants to go like forty five minutes every time and get all this shit in. And I'm like, no, we we can get through this quicker ten minutes. Speaking of uh, match length, uh, this is my cue to say that we've gone too long, <laughs> mate. I've got I've got like about another three shows to talk about. No two. What about um, anyone see NXT? 
I, watched... I, I think I saw a part of NXT in, in my doing research for the show. Is this and... your 30 second bit? No, this isn't. This was my second bit I forgot about. But um, I can, during my waiting up till midnight to watch the NBA, I sometimes flip through the channels. And if BT Sports got a wrestling show on, I'll put it on for, for like an advert until it bores me. And um, I saw some XT. I think I think this was this week. But go go for what you saw, and I'll chip in if it was the same part. Um, the only two comments that I had was it was just bookended quite well. The um, the opening match between Swerve and Ruff that was a bag of fun. What go, go watch it? Fun match. Yeah, NXT actually seems to be doing a lot better at like delivering a lot of fun. Matches. Yeah, just see Swerve knocking around backstage with some gang. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need okay. to get these days, don't you? Um, and and the and the main event with the the women's tag um, was yeah, fun as well. Indy Hartwell's great. Really good. Yeah. Hey, where's she from, Indy Hartwell? Because I heard a talk for the first time ever, and it sounded like she had a bit of a bit of yeah. an anti-Indian twang. I'm yeah. pretty sure she's, a, she's Australian, isn't she? Yeah. Mate, I didn't know that. This was the first time I ever heard a talk, and I was like, "Fuck, she's one of mine." But I didn't want to say it to anyone in case I was wrong, because I only just heard that one little. And you know, there's no easy way for me to check it anywhere. So, um, you know, um, <laughs> Don Bradman, Australian too, Don. Say it again. Don Bradman's Australian as well. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, James, what you said? As I say, so um, yeah, I saw a big, a big promo segment involving Killer Cross and Pete Dunn. And Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly, I think, was a knockout. Yeah, yeah. How kind of like SmackDown 2008 was that? I've got two thoughts on that. Number one, Kyle O'Reilly, the guitar riff in his entrance music is so fucking good. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. I love, mate, I love that tune. Just a little guitar riff. And the second thing is, at some point, they're going to have to let Pete Dunne win a couple of matches. Because they can't keep jobbing him out to the other three, which is what he's done. Like people might go, oh, no, on May 2nd, he beat, you know, whoever, Bruce Pritchard in a dark mat. Fuck off, mate. He keeps jobbing out to the other three and then they keep trying to build him back up as this legitimate threat. At some point, he's going to have to start winning some matches. He's going to have to beat those three. If Step they up to me and you'll see. <laughs> hey, <laughs> mate, mate, he doesn't. He doesn't have to beat any of them because he's beaten Danielson in in three months. Well, so whilst we've got James on the show, um, obviously Kyle O'Reilly's had this big singles push recently over the past few months. Kind of a, a bit of a coming out for him. So, for anyone who doesn't know, James JCH is probably was the biggest wrestling fan I know. Has been to countless WrestleManias. Was going to probably a hundred UK shows a year, um, but over the last year has has become a bit of a lapse fan. You know, has has pretty much fallen out of love completely with wrestling. Despite, like I said, being probably the most committed wrestling fan I know before that point. So, another thing about James, probably the biggest Red Dragon stroke Carlo Riley fan that I've ever met or come across. So, with Carlo Riley having this big singles push and this big match with Adam Cole at NXT. Uh, what was the WrestleMania one called? Was it just TakeOver? TakeOver. Take okay. So stand if that and is... Deliver. Stand, stand and Deliver. Stand and Deliver. Stand and Deliver. Okay. Well, that's one point for Shockmaster. Put it okay. down. So, <laughs> so if that, that hasn't brought you back to wrestling, James, what what is it going to take? 
I don't know. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm not sure there is a way back. I know. Mate, once we get you in the ballroom with four pints under your belt with all your mates, you will fucking love it. Like when we're all together drinking, having fun, and there's no nonsense on the card confirmed, you will you will love it. Yeah, that yeah, that well, I think I'd like the social aspect, yeah. Mate, that's just for for me, it's sad to see someone, you know, lose that sort of passion. Um, and I completely understand it. But like on a personal level, it makes me feel sad because it makes me think that, you know, you're not going to be at shows when they come back, um, which is a loss for all of us. I'll definitely be at the pub at least. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's you, okay then. I'll tell you who loves the pub, Chef. <laughs> Big fan. You should have yeah. seen, seen my daughter's christening, proper piss up. <laughs> Dominic went mad. If, if Caranoir did like a Sin Cara, Trampoline spring into the ring, James. Would you be interested in that with full, with full swan arms, like with, like with swan arms? <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. But can I, I just want to make reference, and that's genuinely the nicest thing I've ever heard Shaffy say. By the way, <laughs> <Just> dissipated. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Dom. Um, before we go, can we quickly talk about progress? Yeah, I thought I thought maybe you wanted to talk about progress. So yeah, oh, on a, on a quick transition from uh, since progress, a uh, guy that we saw in progress and maybe the last. Live chapter, or well, maybe a couple chapters ago, Anthony Henry turned up on NXT. With a, a different, like Anthony an Paul Henry, he's got three first names. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not sure what I think about that. I don't trust people with multiple first names. They Sorry, were, Charles Harris. They were chanting, he's got two first names at him in Germany. And someone asked him what his middle name was, and he said Paul. So when they changed it to, he's got three first names. <laughs> Once again, the Germans leading the way in banter. To be fair, that was the Ogdens from the north. They were leading the chanting. Can't quite give them credit for that, but <laughs> cracking blokes. Was I the only uh, one that saw progress? By the way, we can skip. Yeah, it. mate, I'm two. I'm two shows behind now, and it's almost at the point where I'm like, if I'm two shows behind, I don't know where I'm ever going to watch it again. Because once I get tell two you what, shows- mate, when you got four points and you're in the ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> I, the I really my favorite shows, Dom. If that makes things better, yeah, I really. I do, it's not that I don't want to watch it. I, I do. I just got to find the time. I mean, well, obviously, uh, my boys uh, TK and Mambo have been on. I think maybe both of them. I, yeah. yeah. So the, I just I'm not keep up with them. So should, should we just leave it then, so I don't spoil it? Uh, I'm happy to leave it. If, if yeah. has, has anyone else watched it, does anyone else want to talk about it? I haven't got around to it. Oh yeah! If no, if no one's watched it, then yeah, let's let, let, let's move on. I've got one thing I did watch. So I wanted to bring up. It, yes, it let's might, hear it. In my flicking, so I've turned on Raw. I think from last Monday, I was on Tuesday night the replay, waiting up for a Nets game. Matt Riddle's come out, or Riddle, whatever he's called, which just it irritates me. Um, and he's come out. He's dancing around, being Matt Riddle, and his tag team partner comes out. And it's bloody Randy Orton. <laughs> and then so and then like Rad Yord's out playing it like the straight man and Matt Riddle's there like singing his entrance music, doing the pose. I was like, what is happening here? And they had a match against somebody. Um what's that guitar bloke, Elias? He was in it. And um one of the Forgotten Sons. The racist. Is it a racist, is it? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And they won. And then they had a and it was just like Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. 
not the, not what I expected to tune into, if I'm honest, in the first time I've put Raw on in two years. And what'd you, what did you think? Because, like, people really like it. Um, they, they, their chemistry was was surprisingly good in that Randy Orton playing the straight man, like, sort of half, you could, he was sort of, like, half sort of smugly loving the fact that this bloke was idolising him and, and sort of but trying to play it off half the time as, oh, come on. And then at the end, they did raise his hand and it was like, oh, he's... Yeah, Matt Riddle was like playing the equivalent of wrestling with one of his heroes, uh, which, which he played off pretty well. But then, you know, I imagine at some point one of them's going to turn on the other because it's a WWE tag team. But if they're not already, I bet they're going to be called RK Bro, aren't they? Yeah, I think are. someone. I think they someone are. said. I think one of the commentators said RK Bro. Yeah, I was about to say. I'd be very I think sorry. Riddle coined it in a segment the other week yeah, yeah. when they what's, first got together. What's wrong with Randy Riddle? <laughs> well, I think he had some problems with that, didn't he? <laughs> I reckon Moving Randy on. be getting a cease and desist. I think I reckon Randy Orton is low key. Just not, he's not low key. Um, but I reckon Randy Orton is probably actually a really great beer behind the scenes. I bet he's a wonderful guy to hang out with. I bet he's really good fun. I think he'd piss in your beer, mate. <laughs> not my, mate. Not not the speed I drink. I have on good authority that Matt Riddle and Randy Orton do like the same sort of uh, pastimes. Pastimes, yeah. On knees? No. <laughs> has, anyone, has, has anyone got a number in Stoke Newington? Um, anyway. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. Introducing first and foremost, he is the one-man show this evening in our main event. This is the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour. This is JCH, James Yeah, main event time, round table. We're just doing one this week, um, and this is why we've got Harris here, special guest. Uh, James, what do you got for us, bud? Well, I've come dressed in my, probably my oldest t-shirt from about 2003. CM Punk, you are now one of us t-shirt. Um, I can't remember why, I know I was waiting to talk, I remember talking to you when I dropped off the DVDs at your house about coming on and talking to some Ring of Honor, some specifically the CM Punk run. Um, but also, if you got your ring of on the show of the week, Dom, you want to? Yeah, me? I forgot. I forgot to do it. I watched Crowning a Champion. There's no real takeaways. It's just it's still good. It holds up still. Ring was good. If you like wrestling, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and, uh, then, and then and then like last week, uh, or like Mike put in the group. No, Ross put in the group chat that twenty-seven. Ring of, ranking the Ring of Champions. Ring of Honor Champions. I put it in. Order. I put it in. Oh, did you put it in? Sorry, man. Neither Ross nor Mike. Because everyone's got weird names in it. Like I don't. If <laughs> the pictures are small, I can't. Yeah. The time. And um, yeah, and and I got annoyed with that list straight away. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly last one thing. Like Jerry Lynn won that belt. 
<laughs> yeah. So these, um, these, these are all going to be spoilers for me if you go through the numbers because I didn't end up watching the video because all wait, that video well, was... Well, Loki was... It was Kylo Ray 27, Loki 26. At that point, I was furious. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I beg you, yeah, I can pardon. Exactly. No, Loki was like the what the second worst. I think what Loki was before Xavier. That's that's ridiculous. What are like the modern ones that no one gives a shit about? What's it, Matt Taven? Well, exactly. Taven Matt Taven was, was in like, the top twenty. Weren't he? Oh, I got furious with Matt Taven. I think I swore on the group chat when I, about Matt Taven. <laughs> the only one like, person I like seeing is Rev Pro Rob. It's almost oh, yeah. as if they do these lists so that everyone gets angry and comments, and the algorithms helped. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't that comment. Is, is what happens. And it's similar, similar to Ryback's retire thing that he's just <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, people keep falling for the Ryback thing though, and it's like I don't get it. And it's like he's just he's just trying to like get get hits up so he can sell his weird supplements. <laughs> it still pops me. It still pops me every time though. I, I think it's really funny. I think it's yeah. I think it's proper satire Ryback thing. Um, yeah. I would just and like Ryback's to say got mentioned again. So bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought I'd come on and chat some uh like my specific time. And it's interesting enough that what um Shafi was saying earlier, I was gonna mention it then, but I thought I'd save it for this point about the Dave Meltzer five star match and everyone would go out and watch it. And that's that's how I started watching Ring of Honor. So I was listening to wrestling on the radio as a teenager because I was cool. And um they mentioned that Punk Joe One Two, I think, got the was the first ever Five star, five star match in North America since I can't remember when. Austin and, Brett. Yeah, because much. Yeah, it might well have been Austin Brett. Yeah. Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell. Michael's taken. It was the first one of the twenty first century. Oh, it might be Hell in a Cell ninety seven. Yeah, that could be right. Um, it's around that sort of time. So I was like, I'll I'll check this out then, and ordered this DVD and then like CM Punk's coming out to like AFI he's wearing a hoodie I own I was like well, this guy's cool he was wearing basketball shorts that I went and bought to play football in and opposition fans told me my shorts were offside because they were so big but um <laughs> <laughs> best bit about that was some farmer in Devon and he, he sort of said it quietly because you heard him he went his shorts are offside and halfway through he realised that's funny he went, his shorts are offside your shorts are offside <laughs> oh, shout that at me now but um <laughs> Yeah, so I, I loved like Punk's look, and so I went back and did a bit of Ring of Honor research and, and bought a few of the older DVDs. But basically, as as you now own the collection, like you mentioned last week on the pod, Dom, it's it's pretty much Punk's run is when I stopped watching it because I thought I can't keep spending money on these DVDs, <laughs> importing them from America, or sort of waiting four months at a time to save on shipping. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I thought, yeah, it's a really like fun time. Really, what got me properly into into wrestling outside of WWF at the time, I guess it would have been. And uh, yeah, there was, I didn't really see ECW. I'd never saw WCW. It was my sort of first foray outside of uh, of wrestling. And I, was, I know you 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 watched the period, Dom, and it's a little bit before your time, Bram, or it sort of caught half of it? It's uh, Yeah, so it's... um Mine is the more McGuinness years, really. Not, not actually yeah. Thailand, but before it. So I... It, Probably I jumped in around, um, probably, I saw like the Punk Raven stuff. Latterly, I saw the Punk Joe stuff, but I think it's probably maybe the back end of Punk's reign, maybe the start of, um, yeah, like the, the back end of summer of Punk stuff, maybe, that I was. Because would that, would that have been 04, that'd been 
end of oh four, no oh five end of oh five I believe oh five yeah. yeah. that makes sense yeah because oh five is when I started yeah that makes sense oh five and so yeah and obviously Matt you've watched a couple of matches we mentioned so you with the with the time you have which we appreciate but yeah. so I'm coming at this just to, for full disclosure I did mention earlier to you guys that. I haven't gone back and rewatched any of this stuff. I don't really rewatch, even when I was massive fan of wrestling. Go, I just watched stuff once, and then it was in my head. Do I like it? Yes. I'm never really, again, never really been a stars guy. Did I enjoy that match? Yes. Did I? No. You know, but so I haven't really gone back and watched this. This is all sort of coming at me from from sort of the memory I have, and I, I just had such a good time following CM Punk's time. We, it, I mean, he came in. Sort of the same time, wrestled. I want to say wrestled a few matches with Cabana and like sort of six way gauntlet or something with. I think like Michael Shane was in one, and then he sort of. I believe the, the Raven feud was the first big feud. Am I right, Dom? Yeah, well, like so the Raven feud was good. I just wanted to touch on something that I'm now. I, I have to say, I haven't rewatched any of this for a long time either. Um, but I have just started rewatching, so you know, in a couple of years' time, I will have rewatched everything. Um, it was the most important period of my life as a wrestling fan. Um, I loved every second of it. Ring of Honor, I lived and breathed by it. I spent probably three hours a day on the forums. Um, yeah, I love. <laughs> known each other, but I also just had a yeah, but also just don't have a great memory for it. But I just wanted to jump in. So you sort of given us a fantastic introduction to the start of Punk's run. Um, I remember before he got to Raven, um, they didn't, I'm pretty sure Punk and Cabana had a singles match against each other. And the idea was the winner next show got flown in, and um, which was a really cool situation. Because they like they did this promo and driving from Chicago to Philadelphia, so that's how the show started. They get out of the car and they're like yelling at each other, like because Cabana's been a goofball and Punk's like, I can't believe you made me draw the whole fucking way, like <laughs> fuck you, like where's my gas money and all this stuff, right? And then like and then they have the match to see who gets flown in next time, and. Um, I can't remember exactly what happens, but I think like one of them cheats on the other one. You know what? Like not cheat. I feel like Cabana won that. I, I think like Cabana won yeah. that singles match. I think Cabana wins it too. I actually think that was a thing in their like early careers. Cabana always beat him. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's that's a thing. Like when they travel the Indies, Cabana always used to win the match. Because it and then about 15 years later, I think. Um, if I remember rightly, Punk sued Cabana for that gas money, didn't he? <laughs> Something like that. Um, so then from there, we go into Raven feud. Yeah, and and the things, like the notable things from the Raven feud, right, for me, I remember like, just, I just remember Punk being great on the mic. Like, obviously, he was throughout his career in in the majors, as you want, if you want to call him that. But he stood out on the mic early doors as, and, they did a lot of spots that I've preached. I'm re- I remember, I know people re- reminisce about the summer of punk and they redid it in WWE, but they also, they almost did the Raven feud to some of the things in the Raven feud with Jericho because with the, the pouring alcohol in his mouth when he was feuding in Jericho around wrestle, they had a WrestleMania match when punk was in his title reign. I think it, Long is, one. was that the first use of punk as like using the straight edge stuff as a, as a heel and, it, 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 was it used bef- 
before then, Dom, or is that was the Ravenfield the first time that was used? In I, it was always mentioned. It was always mentioned like, oh, this is CM Punk, he's straight edge. That means he thinks he's better than you. But oh, right. okay. It's, okay. It, it was the first time I saw when he used it as like an angle of being okay. like. Yeah. He told and, the backstory about his dad and and then, and that's why he had the problem with with Raven and uh, and he, because he said like, you, you're literally doing, pissing it all away. Like my, in the promo, like my, I've seen my dad do this. You've got all this talent. You had this easy W and then you pissed it all away. It's something along those lines. Yeah. And it, and that's oh, like, so it gave a reason for a, for like a mid card well like a mid card feud. It gave a reason for it and in a in a promo, in a promotion that was all about wrestling. It, it was like something different, as much as it was like a better built on technical wrestling and the code of honor. And it was a different reason for someone to feud and because of hatred, which which was always why you sort of the prophecy stood out at early doors and because they refused to adhere to it. And you, you had those as much as it was a company built on technical wrestling. You had these different characters and. And reasons for things, which is one of the reasons why I enjoyed it. Couple, couple things that stand out for me. So the promo you've mentioned is probably my favourite wrestling promo of all time, um, and it was at WrestleMania three. I remember that one. Um, and so I'm just saying this. I don't know. Maybe if I can find it, I might try to edit this and cut a little bit of it in now. Um, but if I can't, you're gonna have to go and Google it yourself. WrestleMania three CM Punk promo. Um, and yeah, it's just unreal. It's yeah, it's so good. He's like, um, he's like, when I was a kid, I didn't know there was anything wrong with smoking a pack a day and taking an old style to the show. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's great. Nothing stops me. And before you cut me off, Raven, the reason I hate you, the reason in my heart of hearts why I hate you is because I didn't know any better when I was a little kid, when my dad came home smelling like beer. I thought it was a hard day's work he was doing. I didn't realize he was out at the bar. I didn't realize work been unemployment office. I didn't think it was strange for somebody to come home from work and have to take an old style up into the shower while they showered. I didn't think it was strange for somebody to pass out. I thought an old style, a pack a day, was the norm. Raven, my father is exactly like you. And since day one in Ring of Honor, where fighting spirit is supposed to be revered, things aren't supposed to be this way. I'd shake your hand like a normal man, but see, the truth is I don't respect you. I hate you. I hate you for everything you've pissed away, everything I scrape and I claw for that I haven't even earned yet, that you got handed to you, and you flushed down a toilet. For what? For pills, for booze, for alcohol, for women? I am born of your poison society. So on the 17th of July, I will become a monster to fight the monsters of the world. And your time in Ring of Honor will be done. And that is a promise because this is true. This is real. This is Stray Edge. So and then that played in into the storyline more. I mean, um, Connolly in the did you catch the promo before of the yeah yeah because he was literally saying to the he's like baiting the crowd they're they're baiting him about alcohol and he's like you can't even buy alcohol in this building <laughs> yeah that's great and if that's legit that was such a good way of like winding up a load of wrestling fans that wanted to just get drunk yeah and punks <laughs> reveling in it 
and he's rubbing it in their faces like the heat you get for not selling beer obviously is incredible and um, it, it, yeah sorry but uh, sorry no, 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 yeah, that promo yeah, so was great. I was, I was gonna say, and the irony being, if like the guy who's not what, who's like upset that his dad was a drunk and he's trying to sort of help help out someone else is the heel is so wrestling, isn't it? <laughs> like, I, I actually felt like obviously he plays the heel brilliantly in that match, and it's a it, the one you sent to me, the dog collar match is it's like a, a really good version of that attitude era trope of brawling all over the place, loads of blood, punk gets split open really early. Um, and they just brawl into the crowd, which is like a basketball court or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, the bit that was great was when Raven like, beats into a pulp. He's like a bloody mess, like 10 minutes in. And he poses the Raven pose on the bleachers and Punk drags the chain. And it's like the nasty bump Raven took. And like, oh, whenever they were taking bumps on the basketball floor, I even thought that was rough. Like when they're brawling around the ring. I mean, it's a complete brawl. But it's, it was excellent. And like so many good inventive uses for the dog collar being there. Um, there was one as well where Punk's on the top rope and he just low blows Raven with it, drags it like, because he sees it's through Raven's legs, uses it as a low blow. Like fantastic. But like you say, at the end, the guy who's straight edge gets alcohol poured into his mouth. <laughs> um, which is, is that, yeah. Is that when, is that when Tommy, Dra Tommy Dreamer gets involved? Is that right? Yeah, it gets, Tommy Dreamer gets a road warrior pop like it goes yeah. the place goes bananas when he turns it's, up it's important to remember that ring of honor is a philadelphia company just like yeah. ecw um and it's it's easy it's easy to forget now just how over raven would have been in this period and how big a deal it was for raven to come in just and games got him in to put punk over really like it was meant to be punk one show and then, in the feud. yeah well it, it was meant to it was meant to be one show, wasn't it? And then I think, I'm pretty sure, I can't remember how I heard this, but it was meant to be one time and then it just really clicked and then Gabe just kept booking him and just kept bringing him in to book over. And then, yeah. so then after, after that, I, sorry, I might have the timeline wrong, that the, the, they had the big feud with the, with the Prophecy, which sort of got cut short because of the TNA, ROH, I want to say it was starting to do with the Feinstein fallout, but they stopped letting yeah. their talent work. But um, and that was uh, cool because that's when the sort of Saints formed with obviously Ace Steel and Cabana and a variety of women that Punk would bring in based on who he was dating at the time, I guess. But I'm yeah. <laughs> Trey, Daphne, Lucy was one at one point. Lucy, yeah. Was and that, then um, was that too early for Becky Bayless? Uh, I, I remember Becky Bayless came in with Special K when she first came in, from what I remember. I also remember. So just you mentioned. Uh, um, so all this history is coming back to me now. I swear I haven't researched this, um, but uh, it's important to remember that Punk was like the one guy that chose Ring of Honor over TNA. Um, so Daniel Styles, Red. Um, even low key to a lesser extent, he sort of disappeared from Ring of Honor too. They all chose TNA, and Punk said, "Nah, fuck this. <laughs> like, I'm sticking to Ring of Honor." So then, so he's so after that prophecy feud, obviously Daniels at that point, the prophecy were pretty were face were face team. So, so, and, sorry to interrupt, guys. Who was so? I don't re I don't really remember the, the apart from Daniels. Like, who who else was in that stable? So at this point, it was Daniels. 
uh, BJ Whitmer. All right. And um, Dan Math, I think, wasn't it? Oh, Dan yeah, Math. That's right. Because, because um, there'd been a big thing about Whitmer had, had taken out Lucy, I think. And then Daniel, Dan, Daniels had promised Dan Math it wasn't BJ Whitmer. And so when he brought him in at the start, there was like a bit of tension between those two guys because he'd been like, I'd swore in my life it wasn't uh, the prophecy who took out Lucy. And, and then it turned out it was the, ne- the new member. And I'm pretty sure that's the way it went down, unless it was. Math yeah. then Whitmer, but it was one of those two. Anyway. <laughs> no, yeah, Math. Yeah, Whitmer was there before Math, and Math was a new member. Uh, so I've got it. I've got it backwards, and yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what they called him. You know, the prophecy's secret weapon or Mister X or something. I hate BJ Whitmer so much. I've never liked him. He, he, he's a face heel. He's just a oh, get off my TV, mate. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the feud, the feud, the feud with Jimmy Jacobs was his peak. Yeah, that was. I said that was a bit after my time of watching him regularly. So yeah, I missed missed that. And you were still there when I came back into Ring of Honor. I was like, get out. I just, I just <laughs> remember him fighting Steve Carino all the time. I don't know if that was a short feud. I just remember it like Steve Carino and BJ Whitmer fighting for like forty years. Yeah, and then they finished it with a barbed wire, no rope barbed wire match. I'm sure. But then, so at this point. Punk's got a massive heel. The straight edge society, massive heels. Um, second, second City second Saints. Second City Saints, sorry, yeah. yeah. I, I had a really nice Second City Saints t-shirt with I am straight, no, it says I am better than you on it. And I'd like this sort of, um, I don't know where it is. I've lost, I'm furious. I've lost it. But um, I really like that t-shirt. And um, How good's a steal, by the way, guys? I, I, I don't really remember. I remember kind of seeing matches of it, but I don't remember... Him, he was like, he was fine. He, yeah, was, he, their never, tra- he was their trainer, was it his link? Yeah. Yeah, but, he never he never captured my attention. No. I, I remember sometimes sometimes on the shows the tag, it'd be like punk with a steel or cabana with a steel, and I'd always be like a bit gab that wasn't cabana. Yeah. He did the cutter. Um that, that that's a steel, isn't it? He did the cutter. Yeah. 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 That's not why it's called the ace crusher though. Like, it's obviously named after Johnny Ace. Yeah. But- I mean, you're talking to the old Japan fanboy in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Fully aware of the expression. But then, so, then, so the next thing that I remember, uh, like, I mean, Dom, so I was watching, I did, I watched like a sort of punk ring of honor thing, which reminded me of the Steamboat feud, which was cool. And then he sort of proved himself to Steamboat by saving Steamboat from Generation Next, which was sort of his face turn. But there was something with Mick Foley in there, wasn't there? Yeah. Well, Paul and Steamboat were were feuding as well. Um, and I think what are oh, now I'm gonna sound like it's gonna get this wrong. But Foley picked a team because he was doing this ring of hardcore thing, saying that Ring of Honor, the best part of Ring of Honor was the hardcore wrestlers. He put together like the Carnage crew or someone. And then Steamboat picked a team of like technical wrestlers. Um, but I can't remember if, I don't think Punk was involved with that. But then, yeah, there was just like a time when um, Steamboat gave Punk the big arm drag. Uh, and it was one of the all time great Ring of Honor Pops. Yeah. And, but, and then, so, so this sort of, but they, yeah, so when him and Steamboat aligned sort of against Generation Next, because it's like Punk and Steamboat have just had this massive like, brawl punk's beating him down generation next come out because obviously they're looking to take spots to basically beat the crap out of 
Steamboat or again, even though he's already on the floor. And it's like Punk goes, yeah, I guess you get your answer of what kind of man I am. And instead of attacking Steamboat, he just batters, starts battering the Generation Next boys. And I think that's when he got his face turn, which leads into the um, Joe trilogy. And that's, and sorry, and that's Jack Evans and Roddy, right? Jack Evans, Roderick Strong, yeah. Austin Aries, and Alex Shelley. Aries Shelley, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a, what a faction. I feel, I feel like they're yeah, like. What a faction. Jesus. What a faction. Yeah. I feel like there was a, like a, there's a little. Because he had, well, had a couple of tag title runs with Cabana, and I feel that that was a face run. So that would have been after the steamboat beat down but again my timeline it's just a bit jumbled but i was going to ask you about that because obviously i've just watched the three today they're punk joe three um steamboats ringside for that and i was like why is ricky steamboat <laughs> <laughs> just not knowing too much about it and he like he just full-on like basically stops the match ending at one point like the ref goes to call the bell and steamboat's like no and just stops <laughs> the ref Ending the match, <laughs> and he's like, "No, look!" And like, punks, punks, arms held down for three, so he is out. The ref goes to call the end of the match, and still was like, "You can't do that," because he's up now. But like, I didn't know if that was a rule. It, it didn't bother me. Like, it, it was like refs make mistakes, as I always say. But <laughs> I don't know why he lifted his arm three times. Like, that's the end of the match. I thought I was like, oh, so aware of the steamboat rule in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, can just, he can just jump in because he's so good at wrestling. He can just. He can just keep a match going if he deems it worthy, I guess. But yeah, I wondered if Punk's like, face at that point. I couldn't get a read on who the face was. Well, well Joe, Joe, Joe was always the face. Well, not always, right. no, sorry. At that point as a champion, Joe was... that match, though. Yeah, like, but I think because that was the, at that point, I think the crowd swelled for Punk because he'd obviously gone... They had the two draws, like hour-long draws. Where he was the heel in that. In that yeah, and then, and then there was a match. It was like, I think it was Punk, Joe, and... It was. I want to say it was homicide. It might have been Danielson, but um, Punk hit the Pepsi plunge off the top, and whoever the other person was, it was homicide. Danielson pinned Joe off the plunge, and then and another match like a on. The, I think it must, and it was. It was what it's in Joe Punk two when is it when Joe hits the muscle buster as time expires basically. Yeah, that's that's two. Yeah. yeah, so then Punk in the build-up to three, I remember the, the, in the promo going like, well, I know the plunge could beat you because even though I didn't get the pin, you were down for three. You don't know the muscle buster can beat me because time was out. You know, I remember that being like a part of the storyline coming into the third the third matchup, but he knew his move could beat Joe, but Joe didn't know that he could pin Punk, which was quite a cool element. I could I just remember it really vividly now. I tell you what's great about it is like that match. Obviously, it's probably considered an all-time classic. I'm guessing, but the, as someone who's not seen the previous two, like you could tell straight away that it was a third match just by the way they start the match. Like it's quick, but it, it's sensible. Like Joe goes for that uranogi and, and Punk counters it into a roll-up because he's wrestled in before. And like even I got that story having going in not knowing it that these guys had done everything to each other in previous matches. And the story they kind of told was. If Joe gets the clutch in, he'll win. But then Punk does the spot that obviously is now done to death with the flip and like gets the closest to a three count you can get when he pins Joe with it. I mean, yeah, that that, that finishing stretch is obviously excellent. It's just a brilliant wrestling match. 
Yeah, but I did what I did. I, the crowd booing Joe at the end was what threw me because he didn't really wrestle heel, and then he cheats once, and the crowd just do not like it. They're just like, oh no, 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 and like really turn on him in the finishing bit. It was so that was that was actually I'm pretty sure that just from memory I'm pretty sure that was the first time Joe ever um, cheated like yeah, ever in Ring of Honor. So it was like a big deal. Like they planned it from the start. Like that it was like because what and and actually it was Ricky Steamboat's idea. Um, wow. So before yeah, so that's definitely that's definitely part of the anecdote. So when they were laying out the match, Steamboat was helping them. Um, lay out the match and Steamboat said hey Joe have you ever um, what did he do did he go for it was it a low blow or the ropes or something yeah he um, I can't even remember what the actual spot was now but I remember thinking it was out of character and he kind of half cheats before that as well like he grabs a rope for leverage at one point with a submission but it's not enough to really be like properly cheating but then the second time he does something and yeah just that reaction from the crowd is what I remember what I'm about to do is I'm about to give a quote from a straight shooting DVD with Samoa John Sampunk. So probably, you know, if you're listening to this, you'd probably enjoy that even more than us talking about it. <laughs> um, but it, um, anyway, here we go. You know, you've picked your product. So um, so CM Punk and Samoa John sitting around talking about the match, the third match. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? It's no time limit. Let's fucking go balls, to, balls out in 28 minutes or whatever they did. And then Steamboats are helping him. And Steamboat goes, hey, Joe, have you ever, like, bent the rules? Maybe you should do this. The fans will go mental. And CM Punk and Samoa Joe, they both, in the interview, they both laugh and they go, yeah. So we started laughing and said, what the fuck do you know about wrestling, you crazy old man? <laughs> and, then, and, then five, and then five minutes later, they walked back in and they were like, so that thing that Steamboat said, we're doing that, right? <laughs> and then they did it. It was like the, the most memorable part of the match, obviously. So yeah, that's that's Ricky Steamboat. Um, he was that was his idea. I'm sure I remember that from the straight shooting DVD. Wow. Um, the it, it was a strategy for Punk. Like this is storyline now. This is not backstage, but it was a it was the character of CM Punk. His strategy was no one had ever taken Joe past like 12 minutes in a title defense either. Um, so he came out and said, he was like in his promos, he's like, Joe, I know how to, I, I don't know if I can beat you, but I know that I'm going to be the first person to take you to the limit. And he did twice. Um, and obviously that's what, that's why Steamboat was there on camera because it was a trilogy like Flair, Steamboat and all that. Right? Yeah. But the, yeah, cause, cause the, but the first one is more, so Punk, Punk Joe one, but is the one where it's, because I rewatched these more, way more recently. Like, so I watched back at the time, and I watched about three or four years ago. I rewatched these, um, and they, they, as Matt touched on with the third one, they hold up massively. And the first one is slow because it's it's punk, like doing a lot of headlock spots and just slowing down Joe. But the story's fucking brilliant, right? Um, even I knew then. I knew there were an hour matches, and I still still love them because I rewatched them. The second one is that again, but. Because Punk didn't get, because it didn't, well, not that it didn't work, but the second time, he's still doing the slowdown. And I think this is why two is the one that gets the critical acclaim. But Punk is doing a lot more shit in it. And like the, the stakes, to see it, the, like the, the tensions raised a lot in it. And the, state, the stakes, that, that, do you know the story behind that match? That's crazy, Punk Joe 2. So, like, obviously, got this crazy rating. 
apparently it wasn't supposed to happen. It was supposed to be Joe Carino, but Carino was out in Japan with Zero One and had done a couple of dates with him, a few dates, because well, he, he, well, Carino was with Zero One for a while, but he, he was supposed to f fly back. And I think, because Zero One held his contract, I think they, they got him to stay for another four or five dates, so he couldn't make it. So instead, they just did Punk Joe 2, and like with about, I don't know, a few days prep, like a few days out, yeah. like then they, they go and do this fucking, you know, the best match, like you know, best match of a decade or whatever on 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 on, on Western soil. I might have misremembered misremembered that a bit, Dom. But no, I think you, I think you're right because um, the idea was they were always going to do three, um, but they were planning to spread them out a lot more. Ah, uh, uh, okay, okay. And the and the original like the the way that they tell the story is that. You meant to have CM Punk undefeated over here, but never getting a second shot, and uh -huh. Joe undefeated over here, still not being troubled by anybody else, just eating people. Okay. And, and then people are just going, Punk Joe, when the fuck is Punk Joe? And they just kept, you know, but anyway, they had to hot shot it because of that Carino thing, you spot on. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's get cr crazy when you think about it. Like, yeah. A, and, and yeah, but I, I, the, what's funny as well, like, I, I think in the first one, like, Again, on a rewatch, which I didn't know the first time, there's quite a, there felt like it was quite a lot of spot quality in the first one. In the second one, I didn't notice that as much. I think they just knew each other, and you know, it's like. And the thing is, I'm usually again, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not that kind of wrestling fan. As I say, it, it, I, I kind of I ignore that. My brain cuts it out. But I think there's quite a bit in the first. One, I remember just being a bit distracted by it. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah. So. So I guess like to transition into what happens after the Joe Punk trilogy is like Matt was saying, obviously as not an avid ring of a fan, he said he, he was surprised that Samoa Joe was getting booed. The other reason, other than the fact it was the first time he ever cheated um, was that he'd had the title for so long. Right. Um, and people were just kind of, they, because I remember on the forums almost every month, it was like, this is the month. This is the yeah, one. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just kept saying, Joe, this time, this is the one. Joe's losing. Joe's yeah, Joe, losing. Joe Punk, no, and they put no time limit on the third match as well, which, yeah. which is why I, I, I did bring it up when Matt was talking about the um the, the uh, New Japan main event. So did, I swear it's under 30 minutes, the third one. Yeah, I thought I thought it was 28 or something. It felt, it felt a breeze watching it, just because yeah. the story is so great i i haven't seen the first two obviously but like even i was hooked into the story i felt like i'd watched these guys wrestle so much just because the way they were telling it um so and then every every month joe's gonna lose it because he went through he went through homicide about three times i think danielson punk like he, he beat ever spanky you know he beat all beat all the guys and then all of a sudden here's the new upstart in december is a final battle 04. Austin Aries, winner of Survival of the Fittest. But I remember that was the time that everyone on the forums was like, Joe's going to eat this guy. <laughs> and there you go. The the Holy Trinity from Austin Aries. Brain Buster kicked to the head 450. And and then we had a new champ. So no, obviously. So, but obviously he's like, Punk. So he won the title in, this, in December. Punk won it off him in like the following June. So he had it for over a year. And I'm trying to remember like what 
We, well, I know Punk had like a few. We, yeah, because oh, Aries had it for like four hundred and fifty days. No, it was only it was no six months. No, sure. now you're wrong. Summer it was final battle oh four, and summer of Punk was oh five, right? I I think I mean maybe I'm I thought Aries had it for like I thought Aries set a record for defenses or something. He did. He defended it fucking loads, but it wasn't days in six months. I'm sure, yeah, because when Joe had it, it was just like one show a month. 174 days, lads. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so we're both right. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, really, but in my... (laughs) Because I said I started watching in 05 properly and I didn't see any of the Aries round. Yeah, so So, whilst... He had a bit of a few with Jimmy Ray, didn't he? That's right. So whilst that's going on, Punk got uh, tied up with the the embassy and Jimmy Ray. Yeah. And that was when Jimmy Ray was like super, super over. Like I don't people that didn't watch Ring of Honor and would look at Jimmy Ray now or look back on Jimmy Ray's career, it's hard to tell how over Jimmy Ray was as a heel. He was like he was like MJF now. He was getting the Zach Gibson toilet rolls for a name, mate. And like it was like the main attraction of Ring of Honor was come to throw toilet rolls for Jimmy Rain. Like, he'd make his like he'd make his like a uh, valet like lo- got on all fours on the floor to use as a ring step. Like Jade Chung, yeah, Jade Chung, yeah. yeah. Whatever happened to Prince Nana or whatever his name? He was, was there. He was a. He was uh, he was there knocking around at that point. <laughs> he was so good. He's so good. I love Prince Nana so much. The Embassy. Yeah, I can't accent. The Crown Jewel. <laughs> That finished in a big cage match. It was—I remember the show was called Nowhere to Run, um, yeah, and it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I remember—I think I remember it because uh, on the forums, I just keep talking about the forums now. I'm showing how much of a nerd I was. It was always kind of rated as like the best Saturday Sunday double shot that Ring of Honor ever did. So it was like Nowhere to Run one day, and that was like Punk Rave in a cage in the main event. And Punk, I think, does a big leg drop off the top for the finish. Is that right? Yeah, so I don't remember like the dog collar match. I think it's the one that's the 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 hyped one. It's supposed to be like the better one, but I I don't remember that one. It's the it's the cage match, and yeah, yeah, that's the, that's that spot. That's a, that's a really good match actually. Yeah, or mate, I might be getting so am I getting confused with Jimmy Raven Raven now? Because they both. I did, feel they, I feel Punk and Rave wrestled in a cage. They they I reckon I think Punk and Rave almost recreated the Punk Raven feud because I think they. They both definitely finished in the cage, and I think Punk broke out the leg drop in both. Maybe I'm, I mean I, I could be I could easily be misremembering this, but I remember I remember the leg drop from the Punk Raven match. But I could be completely wrong there. I could I could be confused too, but I reckon there's a big. It sounds like the sort of thing that Ring of Honor would do: have him finish the feud in the same match in the same way with the guy with four letters the same in the name. Yeah, that's right. Just it's like Wheel of Fortune. Just couldn't afford the last concert. <laughs> yeah, and then and then so he, he then gets signed by WWE. Well, basically they know he's going because he starts wearing pants instead of basketball shorts. That was the uh, I remember on the forum people saying, "Oh, you can tell he's been signed because he's wearing pants instead of basketball shorts. He's got to look like a pro." <laughs> and then I can't remember. I'll be honest. I can't remember how he got the title shot against Aries, but it was like it's maybe his last night in the company. Yeah, he goes uh, out at death before dishonor three. Death before dishonor three. Yeah, 
They have. Uh, I, so I remember. I remember enjoying the match. I can't. I can't. I'm not going to say it's an out and out banger, but I remember people. People, people got annoyed at the end because he just kicked out the brainbuster at one. <laughs> and then the, uh, the absolute best. Just, I was loving it as a massive punk fan. He jumps up. And he hits the Pepsi plunge. He hit brain brush himself first, and then it's the Pepsi plunge. I, I got a feeling he might have done that, but wins the title. And then I say I can't. I, I say we're in a room with a man who can do this promo word for word. No, no, <laughs> Connolly. <laughs> but then he um he cuts the uh yeah the massive promo of of he's getting all the ovation. No one thought he was going to win because he's on his way out. He cuts this massive promo, telling us with the uh, the greatest story, the greatest trick the dev- devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist. And so it was like his whole face turned, the whole steamboat thing had been a sham. He'd been a dick the whole time. He tells the story of the old man of a snake, the old proverb, why'd yeah. you bite me? Because I'm a snake, you twat. And then he basically says, I'm off taking this title with me to WWE. And then like, yeah. Chris Daniels comes out for the first time in like two, three years, basically, it must have been two years since since he got put through a table and then ended that prophecy feud. And everyone goes mental and Punk just runs off. And it's brilliant. Incredible, isn't it? It's so, so good. Then, so then he goes on the run on the next few shows. I, I don't know now. I'm a bit hazy. I wonder how many shows there actually were in the summer of Punk. Um, the... But the next show, I remember, he comes out in a suit. Yeah, and it's and it's just like holy fuck, and new entrance music too. personality wearing a suit and he signed his wwe contract yeah. on the ring of honor belt yeah and, and he says he's only going to wrestle people who for the title who haven't had title shots before basically because he wrestled like um whatever jay lethal's name was at the time um yeah i think Hydro. he was jay lethal by then was jay, jay lethal was comes out at the end of the third match that was another thing i was like oh jay lethal's here yeah he's punk's pro i mean joe's protege wasn't he yeah yeah, yeah. And then he wrestled Roddy Strong and he wrestled one more person. I can't remember off the top of my head before they book him. Uh, he wrestles Daniels in like an hour long draw, I think. Because they finally make him face Daniels. Yeah, he well, does. They do. He lethal, like pure champion around that time. He won the pure title really early, didn't he, Lethal? Like, yeah. And yeah, I think he actually beat Joe the pure title. All right. Okay. Yeah, Joe, because after Joe lost to Aries, he went and won the pure. Yeah, Lethal won it off Joe, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Daniels and Punk did have a one hour draw. Um, it it was less critically acclaimed. I'm sure it's still good. Yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Yeah, I, I don't remember it, to be honest. So when you say it's people who have never challenged for the title, was it definitely because Daniels had never won it? Yeah, that could have been. There might be a loophole there. I, I, I feel they made him. I feel like I feel he wrestled three people first, and it was strong, lethal, and someone else. So I can't pick, put my finger on it right now. And then, and then after then, they've sort of like 
no, you're not. It's our title. You're bloody wrestling Chris Daniels, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> and then he went on to, it was like a four-way with Gibson, Joe and Daniels for the elimination for the, was when he lost the belt. And then he sort of went out a hero, had his fight farewell match with Cabana, two out of three falls, lost. And was, well, he had a brief return when there was like a blizzard, but <laughs> was never seen again. <laughs> And that was the story of CM Punk. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? <laughs> Whatever happened to him? <laughs> I, I just want to say in all seriousness, like, what a run. And just, like, without a doubt, the peak of my wrestling fandom. And, like, I just, I, I won't hear a bad word about that bloke. I fucking love him. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it. For me, it was, yeah, great. I, I say it got me into independent wrestling. Like I, and then when I did go to WrestleMania like 10 years later and there was an ROH show on, I hadn't watched it for a few years. I was like, well, I want to go to that. And that sort of got me back into it and which is what got me into going to shows in the UK, which is what, how I got to meet you guys. So thanks CM Punk. His influence can't be underrated, can it? Like in terms of the crossover between, maybe you could argue Brian maybe as well, them two, like were like as a guy that got back into wrestling watching WWE it, one of the reasons I knew the indies were good was because Punk and Brian had come from there and they were just so good but also his influence of Punk like was the one who like beat the door down to go from Ring of Honor to WWE and then they went and signed everyone but Punk was almost the first guy I know London came before him but London didn't do shit in WWE Spanky, Spanky yeah. didn't really do much in WWE Punk and like, I remember when Punk got signed, like everyone, the general consensus was like, oh, well, that's his career done. Like he's yeah. going to go and be jerking the curtain on Sunday Night Heat. They're going to job him out. He'll be back in two years. But no, nah, he went. Do you, think and... that, do you think that could have been the case if it wasn't for Heyman? Maybe. Yeah, I feel, because I remember, because I remember like, obviously when Punk left, I started following like OVW, which is where he was at the start. And I was like, he's like a fuse with like, I'm pretty sure it's been like Sean Spears or Gavin Spears, I think he was called at the time. I think that's the same person. Yeah. Brent Albright, uh, whoever he became. Uh, Brent, Brent Albright, definitely. Uh, Ken Doan. Yeah. Who was yeah, Kenny? Who, who retired Who retired this week, actually. He recently retired. I did see that, yeah. yeah. Twitter told me I might like to know about it. I wasn't that bothered. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Albright went, went around that time, didn't he? Yeah, who did Brent, who, would he, who did he become? We, he he went back. He went the other way, didn't he? Didn't he go from OVW down to Ring of Honor? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, because he was, yeah, it's a, yeah. Because you're right. Because 2008 was 2007. 2008 was kind of Brent Albright time in ROH. Can I guess what you're gonna? Can I guess what you're gonna mention, Brum? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it because it's WSBF bingo. If I mention Death Before Dishonor Six, that's literally you talked uh, about Punk at Death, Death, Death Before Dishonor Three, and I knew I, I I knew it was three, not from seeing the show, but just from working back from Death Before Dishonor Six. Adam Pearce's best match. <laughs> <laughs> if, if there's one thing if one thing that I want to happen from this podcast is the people of North Bergen watching <laughs> versus versus the, 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 the GM of Smackdown or whatever it's thing is it's on him on Death such a good match I'm going to make everyone watch it on the pod one week so good 
They, mate, Harris, absolutely outstanding areas, mate. That was maybe my favourite roundtable topic ever. And I've got a question for you, Harris. So, um, do you talk about things that make you come back for wrestling? And it looked like there were nothing. What happens if Punk turns up at double or nothing? <laughs> um, I'd probably your... check it out. I'd check it out. I would yeah. check it out. If it was like if it's a surprise, I, I don't. I don't know. I'd, I'd look for the segment and then see if, if it was advertised. He was on. I'd probably watch the whole show. Yeah. Follow up question: If CM Punk wrestled Samoa Joe and Milton Keynes, would you walk there? Yeah, <laughs> I'd probably jog off it now these days. <laughs> so do you know Punk and Joe have had five singles matches? I think. I'm, I'm sure someone's going to correct me on this. They had earlier on, I think. Joe beat Punk in about 13 minutes earlier on, I think, in the run. Then they had the trilogy. And then I think they fought in Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> That's they, like, a one-off, they like a one-off like IDB, like Super Show, like some Super Show down in Coventry. Were you not there, Matt? Uh, I wasn't, unfortunately. I bet <laughs> it was when I was at uni as well. I yeah, I think it was the same company that put on Zach Sabre, and- Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson. <laughs> yeah, I know that place. I forget what it's called now. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they did. They did. Um, I'm, I'm, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm. This is going off a slight bit of memory, but I, I'm pretty sure that that, that that was their final match was was in Cov. Cov had some good stuff. They used to, Impact used to run through there. I always used to see the posters up as well. No, like when Impact was special guest ref. Yeah, he was. And Huckabee, Huckabee was enforcer. Aaron Huckabee, Steamboat <laughs> Rock. Yusef Chippo B-I-N-G-O and bingo was his name-o This is Booker Bingo Right, I'm going to do it now, I'm going to randomise it Oh, okay. These might have wrestled each other. Um, oh well, then you've got to refresh it. We don't want any of that. Let, right, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the matchup, and we'll, we'll take a quick vote if we're doing it. The two wrestlers that have come up are the British Bulldog and Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, we got to do that. We also have to do. We also it's like serves Ross Wright for not being here that we're doing his favourite wrestler as well. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, JCH, do you know how this works? Book yeah, I've, I've listened. Yeah, I'm a listener. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the other one who's not from North Bergwin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I've got to decide who goes first unless anyone wants to jump in. On my screen, uh, the first person in this Zoom chat is Dom. So That's Dom. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll give, we'll give Harris the main event spot. I'll go after you, mate. I don't, mate, I've heard you boys do this before. I should have gone first. I'm going to have nothing compared to the things you come up with. <laughs> no, the time. You'll come up with something over time. Okay. Uh, what do I know? British Bulldog and Gilberg. Um, oh, fuck me. Uh, all right. So, okay. So, we're, we're backstage at a Sunday night heat. And... Um, the British Bulldog is hanging out the back with his famous dog, Matilda. And uh, he's just chatting to Matilda. Matilda's just there eating some uh, pedigree pal, uh, just having a great time. 
a couple of foot. Oh, it's called in Australia. Yeah, what do you call dog foot? What's the what's the most famous dog foot here? Pedigree chum. It's like it's like I didn't realize. I was like, it made sense that Pedigree Power would be like just a different way of saying it. I just wasn't checking if you were joking or not. No, Pedigree Power is what we call the yellow can dog food in Australia. Ours is Pedigree Chum. Well, Chum Chum is also a dog food, but it's a different one. It's Chum is the Scottish one, and it's like the. Category, the catchphrase is flavor so thick you can carve it. <laughs> surely, uh, surely pedigree pal is is basically how uh, Paul Levette calls all his finishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Matilda's there eating some pedigree pal, and um, <laughs> we actually we're doing this buying time for Dom. <laughs> and. Hey, I've seen Dom and, uh, do, do Connolly's quizzes. He can buy, buy time himself very capably. <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh, Triple H is walking past. He's like, what's this pedigree pal shit? Uh, <laughs> British Bulldog, I'm not having this. I challenge you to a match later on tonight. But then as Triple H turns around to walk away... Gilberg standing behind him and Triple H goes chest to chest with Gilberg and falls backwards um, into uh, M- Matilda. So, and Matilda gets hurt, right? Um, injured. So now British Bulldogs got it in for Gilberg. And that's how the match uh, comes up. So British Bulldogs really annoyed that Gilberg has um, inadvertently made Triple H fall on top of Matilda. Um, and we're going to have a, the match, the main event on Sunday Night Heat. Um, so the match starts and uh, Gilberg is just walking around pointing at his chest, saying, I've got the barrel chest. I'm the man that took down the Blue Blood Triple H. Um, British Bulldog, you can't, uh, you know, you can't handle this barrel chest. And anyway, the Bulldog just chops shit out of him for about five minutes, like he's Walter and Kenta Kabashi combined, uh, caves his chest in with a load of chops, hits him with the running power slam and jobs him out in five minutes and 15 seconds. And that's one of the all-time great matches on Sunday Night Heat. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like Triple H turning up. Run <laughs> it with the run-in for me, gave me that one. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm going to go for a different period Uh Gilberg. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> good old Dwayne Gill. And um, and so what we've got happening is uh, you have a series of of segments like each week on on Raw with uh, Sergeant Slot as the commissioner. And there's, I think the timing kind of works, but anyway, Sergeant Slot's. I think it is actually Sergeant Slot's commissioner and and Bulldogs. You know, not got a match, and he goes, uh. All right, Sarge. What 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 you got for me this week? Uh, you got oh, good. Um, it's, it's like sorry, uh, sorry, Davey. Just uh, this we 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 full up this week. Right, go. What? Not even like a short match. Like like one at, one at sh- one against one of shit lads. No, sorry, Davey. <laughs> <laughs> one of shit lads. <laughs> He's like, all right. Well, uh, see you next week. I'll just go do some coke or something. And then he uh, so then ne- next week another one. So all right, Sarge. You got all uh, got all good this week. Didn't didn't have out for me last week, did you? Uh, sorry, Davey. Matches booked. We've got like Taker and stuff in the main. It's just 
not not a spot for you. And he's like, let's get bloody bollocks, isn't it? I'm just gonna go do some cock. <laughs> and then um, he's uh, and then again, this keeps going on, and eventually he just storms out of the room, and he just sees uh, like uh, there's like Al Snow and and Holly and Blue Meanie and all those lads stood around. Oh, what what what's up, Davey? Like so bollocks, this I can't even get a match on Raw. I'm, I'm quality wrestler, mate. It's like one of one of third hour, didn't it? And he's uh, <laughs> 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 it's like, oh well, uh, oh well, d- like you get a spot with us. We 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 get a spot now because we're like you, you jo- join the job squad if you want. We we get you a spot in our group. But like, you fucking kidding me? I'm not joining the job squad. I'm former Intercontinental Champion Dave Boss Smith. Fuck off! Like, oh come on, David. And anyway, storms off, pissed off. Keeps going on. Slot is not getting matches, and they're going, come on. Keep outside the office waiting for him, excited. <laughs> now, come on, Davey, you're gonna do it. You're gonna take us to the big time, British Bulldog. Imagine what that does for the brand of the job squad. I'm not wearing one of them bloody stupid job squad shit. I used to talk with Tom Billington, my cousin in Japan. They thought we were the best things we've seen since sliced bread. I'm not mucking around with you idiots. I'm like, come on, Davey, you're gonna look. He's like, I'm not just not doing it. And then eventually, right, gets gets to gets to Raw before Mania, and Sarge is like. Look, 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 Davey, you know, we really want you around here. You're great. You don't want you, but that you're just not, you're just not, uh, we, we, there's just not a spot for you on the show. And he goes, fuck off, smashes the door down. All the job squad are looking shocked. And he went, all right, then, fuck it. I'll, uh, I'll fit you and points to just a random thing. And then the pan shot, they think, who is it? Is it Hardcore Holly or, or Al Snow? Who are we going to get? And it pans out and he's pointing at Dwayne Gill. And he's like, I'll tell you what, lad, if if you can go 10 minutes with Bulldog, actually, fuck that. If you can go five minutes with Bulldog, I'll join your silly team. And they go, right, do it. And then there's the bit, all, all the show, they're prepping Dwayne Gill. And he's, um, and uh, they're like, come on, come on, you can do it. You've just got to last five minutes. Just evade him. He's just going to be coked off his tits. Just run around the ring. It's not a problem. And then, so they have the match and it is, Davey is just... Going, going like his cousin, Dynamite Kid, and he's just beating the living shit out of out of Dwayne Gill. Just there's no offense, but he's just tears his job squad shirt off. And he's just dropping it on his head. It's like fucking like a sick nineties Japanese match. And then um, it gets to, but then the, the time's ticking, and Davy, because he's thick as pig shit, doesn't even realize the clock's ticking. And then eventually, he just looks up at the screen. He goes. Oh, fucking hell, how many seconds are they? An hour like? And Jerry Lawler goes, there's, there's 60, Davey Boy. He goes, oh, shit. Picks him up, power slams Dwayne Gill. Four minutes, 56 seconds. Gets the pin. Four minutes, 50 mine. He's, he's, uh, he's, um, he's pinned Dwayne Gill. And all the job squad run out, like, because Dwayne's destroyed. And he goes, I'll tell you what, lad. I know, I I know you haven't met conditions, but you took an hell of a beating there from a big lad like me. So you know what? I'll uh, I'll join your group, big times for job squad, um, and then he leaves to WCW the next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was just entertained by that. I haven't thought about it at all. <laughs> but um, so I I I and you know this might be slanderous, but I hated the British Bulldog. I think <laughs> I only ever saw him in his sort of jeans run in WWF at about. 2000 and when he was facing the rock and getting rock bottomed into a pile of shit so for me he's on a similar level to Gilberg so I can they could just go 15 minutes see what happened let the best man win 
Yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet. We've got two hours. <laughs> I, I saw live um, the Bulldog in his jeans period win the hardcore title in the UK. Was it like the end of '99 or the end of? It was the end of '99, wasn't it? Like sort of yeah, '99. Because I, well, I really wanted to try and involve the Mean Street Posse because they were his mates at that point. <laughs> he was knocking around the Mean Street Posse. Yeah, you're not thinking about Shane McMahon. No, no there was like, Bulldog was with them for a bit. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure they were in a Survivor Series team together. Yeah. So we'll have those four against Gilbert, Goldberg, Henningberg, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Burger, the Hamburglar, gonna be the fourth one. <laughs> and obviously the Mean Street Posse is shit because Goldberg can kill all them. And but he's like, obviously out of breath because the match has gone over six minutes. So Bulldog pins him, gets rid of the Hamburglar. Gets rid of Gilberg, but Henningberg to the rescue takes home the title, just like 1995. <laughs> the most famous title that Henningberg won. I think I think it was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one that got away for David May. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I've heard the Hamburglar is a good worker as well, so that should be a good one. Um, in, a, uh, in 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 Australia, they call him the Cheeseburger Thief. <laughs> Degree <laughs> <laughs> <I agree>, chump. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Con. Sorry. No, um, I'll be honest. They, you know, James has, has scrambled together because he got too involved in Brums. Um, and and Dom took the death slot on, and he he involved Triple H somehow, which is very very admirable. But just for the uh, playing into Brum's strengths and being. A northern wrestler there. I think that helped you out. I think you've told a great story there with the Bulldog. I think you take it this week, bro. Well done. Yes, mate. Yeah, very good. Good accent, really. And, and I'm sorry, lads, I've got an hour to talk about progress. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's put on Joe vs. Punk 2 and just do a, do a commentary. <laughs> well, it needs commentary for the last 15 minutes, isn't it? Which is, a, which is a little bit of a thing I don't like about it. Oh, is that one of the, is that, is, is it one of the ones where the commentator is like, it's like let's, oh, let's... we're just going to go down and watch the rest of the action. We're just going to leave yeah. you with the pictures. And just what, what the fuck? <laughs> I hate when Gabe did that. Yeah, I don't like it either. Lazy prick. Oh, that's a bit of go. All right, lads. Thanks Cheers. for having me, lads. Balky, uh, a lazy prick, and then shut the <laughs> podcast down. <laughs> Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. All right, scholars, there we have it. Episode 13, done and dusted in the books. Another long one, just over two hours, but, man, the time really flew by. Hey, sorry about my sound there after Shafi left. I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. I have no idea why sometimes the internet is fine and sometimes it's not. London, eh? Anyway, that's another probably wrestling should be fun bingo, me whinging about the sound. Hey, thanks so much to Matt, Matt, Shafi the Sultan, and our very special guest, James Charles Harris. But thank you most of all to you, dear listeners. Until next week, drink lots of water, look after your mates.